I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. So late one, man. Like I've been... What's up, man? I don't know how to tell you this. Like a lot of you was a rapper and stuff, but I just don't care about what? the stuff that you're saying. Can we just do something fun for once? Like, like, like what, man? Like what, what do you want me to do? Hello again and welcome to another episode of the Shane Oliver Experience. I have with me the local hip-hop legend in late one, Layton. How are you, man? Yeah, I'm alright. Yourself? Yeah, good, good, good. Um, so how you been? Yeah, man, I've, I've, uh, I've been alright. Work, music, you know, been very busy. How how is the work life and the music life going? Oh, I mean, the work life pays for the music life, so you gotta. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, of, of course, it's incredibly hard to make art, uh, money through the the music side. Dude, it's just it's just expensive to make music as well. Yeah, like everything from the recording process to the marketing you put behind it to the costs of touring and getting to gigs and. There is no return on investment, really. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's exposure. No. <laughs> That's it, yeah. Oh, God, yeah. Um, so I'm, I'll get it right off the bat anyway. Like, I'm not a very big hip-hop listener, uh, mm-hmm. rap, uh, all that side of things, but I do enjoy it. I do enjoy especially the, the, the good stuff. Um, <laughs> uh, so, like, especially I've, I've been exposed to some good stuff early on anyway, like the original, we were talking about this earlier, like KRS-One. Um, yep, like, yeah, exactly. Um, but, I mean, that's the, the one straight off the bat that I remember that I've been listening to. See, so my, my range is very very yeah narrow but i enjoy it like i, I, I used to think that before i um before i started really getting involved in in hip-hop music back when i was younger i thought i just listened to rock and punk and indie and that sort of thing yeah and then once i got into hip-hop i kind of went back through all my music and i realized that i had always listened to some of it like the early eminem stuff gorillas butterfingers brisbane legends there'd always been a little bit of it in there i just didn't recognize it for what it was yet yeah yeah see i, I like i i've never really not disliked it or anything mm. like that it's just my my taste in music just went in a different direction yeah um i started listening to like it, it really started like probably when i was about 12 or 13 when i started to actually actively listen to certain things rather than just like background noise like yeah um like it just wasn't my thing when i was younger and then I started picking, paying attention, and I remember when I was younger, I first saw a band, uh, video clip for System of a Down and like uh, yeah. Chop Suey, and I thought it was so fucking whack. And um, then I started listening to more of their songs and thought, "Fuck, these guys are really good." And like, and then it just got heavier and heavier from there, sort of thing. And that was my trajectory. And then I, yeah. it wasn't so much that I hated uh, <laughs> like the rap stuff. I was just like, "Ah, hey, man, fuck that." It doesn't like. It, I've got a theory with this, honestly. Like, I think the kind of listener you are says a lot about where you're going to end up in the music scene yeah so I've always thought if you're really into lyrics you generally find your way to hip hop because it's so lyric heavy yeah the content is huge um, and if that's what draws you in and I even back when I was listening to rock and that sort of thing when I was younger it was always the lyrics that were really catching me mm-hmm. so I think that's why I went this way and I think if you're the kind of person that listens to you know the bass lines and that sort of thing you probably find yourself drawn more towards house and techno and all the electronic sort of styles that are out there mm-hmm. and if you're really into the rhythm part of it you might get, find yourself drawn more towards like traditional rock and I, I think 
I've just found with a lot of friends, like whatever rhythm they hear when they hear the music, whatever line yeah. they listen to tends to dictate where right. they end up. Okay. Yeah. That's interesting. Um, what with, with crossovers and stuff like w- with hip hop and what the, the best example I can think of off the top of my head is uh, body count with ice tea. Yeah. 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 Um, so you don't really get that very often. Uh, like, especially like, I guess more of the main, like more, seeing it more mainstream, like mm-hmm. the mixture of like hardcore or metal with, with rap or, or hip hop. Yeah. Um, is, is that just more so because uh, like, just as an example from your experience, I'll say like, is that just because you're more focused on wanting to have like that beat side of thing in the background? Oh, or? I think, I think the cultures just have always sort of clashed a bit. I think the way everyone dresses and the way everyone acts sort of like gets into people's heads too much to, appreciate that cross genre right i mean to be yeah. fair you've always yeah. had you know like rage against the machine was a great example of rap over sort yeah. of heavy style rock like zach de la roche is arguably yeah. you know a rapper as, as much as he is a, a rock star yeah oh one day is a lion was one of the one of the other mm-hmm. ones what he, he that's because uh, i saw that's his project with dj shadow yeah, yeah 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 because i saw them at soundwave the the year that they came and i thought this is like so waxing Zach, without like that oh, man. background, they, they, you know, they, like, they needed the band. Like, yeah, Rage Against the Machine. Zach, Zach De La Roche is arguably one of the best MCs ever. Like, with what he did, he, yeah. he had amazing vocal control, fantastic lyrics, great energy, great flow. But he did need the band behind him. None of his solo work ever really stood up to to what Rage did. Yeah, and it's it's obviously no knack on him or sorry, no, no, no knock or whatever. Um, but it was just yeah, like it's that weird thing because I I, I was like saying uh, to begin with like that was my growing up was more sticking to the heavier side of things yeah. and like still appreciating the the lyrical content but secretly I just loved like at that time as I was growing up like real solid guitar shredding and stuff like that so that's what sucked me into it and yeah. then I wanted to get well Tom Morello it. was yeah amazing oh, yeah he was he was a good dude to like idolize early on as like yeah. a fucking shredder so he could do some whack stuff um but yeah it just it was really interesting and then um, obviously like yeah Body Count uh, it was the next one that I got a chance to listen to and I thought that was really fucking cool um, but not not too many more after that there is a, a a band from New South Wales called Devastator I think and they have like sort of you know what the, that gent sound is no, uh, no. ever heard that sort of thing okay it's like it's like down tuned like beady like a oh beat, hold beat. up hold up yeah mate was telling me about this a long time ago um it was probably at like 4 30 in the morning after a big night out <laughs> what a time to hear it yeah which is why it didn't ring a bell <laughs> um yeah no, who was that was a guy i used to work with he was really into that sort of stuff yeah yeah, yeah they, they abbreviate it now to dvsr but it's still uh like I think they still call themselves Devastator or whatever. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they have like that real heavy rap over like downtuned heavy guitar sort of thing. And that was, that's, that's like only the only three I can think of that have ever been like that. Heavy I mean, side. even, even, even just in Brisbane, we had Butterfingers. Oh yeah. Yeah. Can't um, forget Butterfingers as well. They're and fun. I mean, Evil Eddie's a, a great rapper and the band are fantastic. And yeah, they, shit, they've been killing it for like 20 years now. Yeah. Uh, 15 years now. That's right. The 15th anniversary was, was last year. Yeah, that's right. It was too. Yeah, I was. That was that was such a. Dr- so I was. I was lucky enough to open for them then. Oh, cool. Um, and when I was like fourteen years old, I'll, I'll give you some backstory here. Um, so when I was a kid, my parents listened to Talkback Radio. Yeah. And it was ABC Talkback. They had occasionally like music every twenty minutes or so. And in hindsight, there was some good stuff. There was some Cat Stevens, some Chili Peppers. Like there, there were some decent songs that were played there. Tracy Chapman, sort of thing. But it was so rare, and it wasn't at all what younger people were listening to. And I didn't care about music at all until I was about 13, 14 going into high school and I started caring about girls. 
and I wanted to As be able to talk to girls, and they yeah. they loved music. So I was like, okay, shit, I better learn this learn this music thing. Yeah, and um, so this is just the kind of person I was back then. I like it set my alarm to turn on and play Triple J the next morning, and I was like, okay, I'm going <laughs> to yeah. go. I'm going to I'm going to get be into music. Girls going to like me. Um, <clears throat> and the first song I ever heard on Triple J was Every Time by Butterfingers. Oh, and oh wow, yeah. So they they were huge in my musical development. I don't know if mentally I've got them placed on this massive pedestal. Um, but they've, they've always been really important to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so like when I was 14, every day I was walking home from school with my headphones on, listening to listening to Butterfingers albums, listening to Breakfast at Fat Boys. And then 15 years later, when they did the anniversary tour, I'd bumped into Evil Eddie at a gig I played. Oh, a mate played, actually. He just had me up to do one song and Evil Eddie happened to be there and I spoke to him afterwards. Um, and he mentioned the anniversary was coming up. So I, I messaged him on Facebook and kept nagging him until he put me on the on the opening slot. And that was the most surreal moment of all of the music stuff for me was just, I mean, 14 year old me could not work out how the fuck I got there. Yeah. It was just this surreal day. It was like, a, the whole day was like a dream. It was just a perfect day for me. I was, I was the only the opening act. I wasn't even the reason anyone was there, but it was, um, it was very cool. You still got, you still got to share the stage with him. Yeah, you know? exactly, like, exactly. And I get, I think for a lot of musicians as well, like being able to say that they played with one of their favorite artists as well yeah. is, is a really big motivator too to keep on going as well, well we've we've been lucky enough over the years me and some of the guys i work with to support some really big acts we yeah. supported slick rick and raekwon when they toured earlier in the year and they're like they're complete ogs in, yeah. in the hip-hop world see i got no idea so you've got to tell me <laughs> raekwon like, was from the wu-tang clan oh okay um, no shit yeah. and slick rick was going back even further he was sort of the originator almost of that uh snoop dogg-esque buttery way he just melts on top of any beat that he's on he okay. was a like very smooth vocal delivery and he was one of the greatest storytellers in all of hip-hop okay um but yeah like we opened for those guys and that was all cool and everything and you say you share the stage but i found it was so different opening for the local boys because they were real people they actually spoke to you and everything they weren't just ushered into a vip room then hopped on the stage without acknowledging anyone else's existence and like they they were still doing it for the love Whereas with some of the other people I've opened for, and not, not necessarily specifically Slick Rick or Raekwon, but some of the mm. international acts we've opened for in the past, you kind of feel like this is just another tour stop for them. And fair enough, a world tour ends with Australia. We're the last mm. stop on the tour, and Brisbane's often the last stop in Australia. So they've played probably 40, 50 shows in the last couple of months before this one. They, they just kind of checked out. Yeah. It, um, it, it's, I mean, like at the end of the day as well, when you, when you look at it, it's a, it's a job. Some, everybody, in their, everybody in their job gets that moment <laughs> where they're like, fuck them over this. Oh man, I imagine like the last stop of your tour, last couple of stops of your tour, you're going to be exhausted. I'm not trying yeah. to, yeah, no, trying you, to you, cast I, any, I, any blame or anything here. I'm, yeah. I'm just, I, I'm saying I understand. And also like these guys who've, you know, the old legends, they've had like, you know, 20 year careers and this would probably be, I don't know, maybe gig number 970. They don't just remember the opening abs- act, man. Just like, an absurd on. amount of people yeah. and, and faces and just checking in and out of buildings and hotels. And exactly. I, can ima- I can imagine so. Like, it, it, it does, it would drain on you, especially being at that level. And, yeah. like, the public eye will always deem to, like, make you, like, this, you have to be this perfect person. Yeah, yeah. Because if you're not, then you're a prick and then I'm never going to listen to you again or whatever. Like, it, it's almost, it's that fine line because mm. you've got to, because you got to res- those these fans like that you have like you you've got to respect them because yeah. like they're enjoying your music you know whether or not they did uh did it to begin with for the fans or not that's that's sort of irrelevant yeah. but like someone out there is enjoying your music and and wanting to pay to come and see you sort of thing so that they've already got that mindset in that they're paying to see 
like their their idol. Yeah. And when so, I first got into all this gigging, you know, I was a promoter before that and everything. I was putting on shows. And the first few international shows you do, you're like, oh my God, I get to meet this person. And that's the most exciting thing, thinking you're going to get to meet Ghostface Killer or something. Yeah. And after you've done half a dozen of them, you're like, that's the worst part of the whole job is meeting your idols. Because yeah, there's, a, there's an expression, you know, don't meet your idols. There's a reason that's an expression. Yeah, all, all, I was thinking that just before you said it. Yeah, like It just gets, I mean, because they're just people, you know, but because of your relationship with their music and how you've looked up to them and idolized them and everything, you can never have any sort of normal conversation or relationship. Yeah. Either you're going to fanboy or you're going to freeze up or you're going to overcompensate the other way and yeah. just try and act all cool. But whatever it is, you can't begin on like a level playing field that you need to when you, when you make a friend or like when yeah. you even just have a beer with someone at the pub. You already kind of feel like you're disadvantaged. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. exactly. So I, I saw recently as well that you were involved in... Butterfingers or Evil uh, Evil Eddie's uh, music video, that um, <laughs> um, I, like barely. Like yeah, I, I, but, no, I saw that you were tagged in it. So yeah, like, yeah. yeah um, I saw the photo. Whatever. There was there was a crew of about forty or fifty people. Yeah, we're all dressed as cavemen for the clip. It's a fantastic clip. You all should check it out if you yeah. if you haven't. I've I've seen but, about um, half of it because I remember the start and they had what's it fucking what's his name? Nazi uh, or that's what I reckon. Yeah, yeah. Fuck, he's funny. He is. Uh, and I totally forgot. Like he was up here in Brizzy like a few months beforehand, like playing in one of his bands or some shit. I didn't. I totally checked out that he played in a fucking band. I didn't even realize he was I a didn't comedian. Know that yeah, either. yeah. And I was like, fuck, that would have been. I'm not surprised awesome. to hear it. Like, yeah, yeah. He looks like the type of dude that's in a band. Oh, fuck oh. Yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, like, I didn't realise he was that popular as a comedian as well. Like, yeah. Fuck, it was just a whole, just finding out like something completely new as well. And yeah. like, yeah, I remember seeing him at the start and then it checked into the video. He's uh, singing in the car or whatever. And yeah. that's that's all I remember. Well, I no, there, was, there was these bits, there was a cast of like 30 or 40 of us dressed as cavemen and we were like running through the bushes and doing this this dance that they they'd choreographed for us. Yeah. And... Because there were 30 or 40 people and I was kind of in the back yep. getting fucking heat stroke out in the sun all yeah, no day. shit, right? <laughs> Wearing furs in the middle of summer. Oh. Um, but like, you know, at no point in the film clip would you actually have seen me and been like, yo, that's him. I barely saw myself. Right. But they okay. needed that many people to get the effect. Yep. And I've, I've made videos myself and it's really hard to get enough people just to come down. So just to help be a part of making that was, was a privilege, to be honest. Yeah. yeah. And, I mean, they're all, they're all really nice guys. We had a little... Uh, pizza party afterwards sort of thing yeah fuck yeah that's it but um yeah i mean don't don't go and watch the video to see me because <laughs> you won't you won't find me you just just uh just an extra i was very proud of myself though i had my my shirt undone with like caveman leopard print and like fur all over and everything and I had my beer gut just out and rocking it proudly <laughs> and a year ago i would never have been able to do that yeah and you know body positivity fuck it we're doing yeah. it yeah so did that get captured in the video or not? No, I don't think so. Oh, I see. <laughs> but I got a fantastic sunburn on like the top of my beer gut. <laughs> so it was like, like a little solar panel or something, just, just on the on the downward sloping part. Oh, that's perfect. <laughs> how often does that happen? Yeah, like, my mates thought it was pretty funny. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> so how long have you been... Uh, when, when did you actually get started into this industry, like this genre of music? Like when, you, when did you play your first show? Ah, okay, so like... I was about 18 when I first got into hip hop. Mm -hmm. um, I was really into rock stuff and my mate was a kind of dickhead that wore headphones in a club. So one day we were at GPO. <laughs> yeah, that's and, right. Yeah, so I, I, I took him <laughs> off him and it was playing uh, Can I Kick It by Tribe Called Quest. Mm. Um, and I was like, damn, this is actually really good. So I got him to uh, send me that and give me some other suggestions. He sent me like Atmosphere and Brother Ali and a lot of the Rhyme Sayers guys and a lot of old school stuff like Nas and that sort of thing too, which you know got me into it. And I didn't really have any hip hop mates for a long time and no one I could share the music with. Mm -hmm. And finally, I met this dude. He ended up moving in with me, and we um uh 
I, I got him into hip hop. He was probably more on the metal end. And yep. we just obsessed over it. We were showing each other new songs. And this guy just jumped in with both feet. And at the end, he was finding artists I hadn't heard of. Mm-hmm. When he first came to me and showed me Afu Ra, I was like, how the hell did you find Afu Ra? That's some obscure shit. Um, and then, then he goes and goes even deeper and finds people I've never heard of. Like He was the one that showed me Shaheem the Rugged Child, another really obscure shit that none of the listeners have probably heard. Look them up, by the way. They're really good. But um, Including me. And yeah. I'm not a clue. I'm loving this. The but names yeah, so are great. He, he, he got me... Um, he got me uh, like we, we, we were showing each other music all the time and we ended up starting a Facebook group with like the two or three other people we knew that liked hip-hop. And within a week, there was like 30 or 40 people in the group and we were just sharing songs. Um, and someone, a friend said to us that we should do something more with this. So I emailed Rumpus Room and said, hey, would you give me a hundred bucks to have a Wu-Tang night? Like we'll, we'll spin 36 Chambers, the, the debut album, and we'll have some DJs play some stuff like of the era and like related to Wu-Tang. So either contemporaries or affiliates or maybe just stuff of other albums of theirs as well. Mm-hmm. And Rumpus Room, they're huge supporters of hip hop um, and DMB, but they, they were like, fuck yes, let's do it. After the first one, we came back and said, okay, how about we do it for a Tribe Called Quest next? And fuck yes, let's do it. And within a month, we were doing them every week. Uh, we got a little bit of a bigger budget and a little bar tab, which... Yeah, right on. Um, and these were Wednesday nights, and it's really hard to get people to come out on a Wednesday night in the middle of winter in Brisbane. Fuck oath it is. So there like, were some nights where we had like 10 people there. Sometimes it's not um, enough to get them out on the best of <laughs> nights, you right? know? Like, it just, it's a really weird yeah. ebb and flow. So we did about a year of these DJ nights, and eventually... I mean, you can only do that sort of thing for so long, it stagnates. It's hard enough just coming up with a theme every night. Yeah. Um, so we ended up moving to... Uh, uh, the Foundry. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. And we hosted a series of gigs there called Strictly Sundays, and that went on for about a year where every month we'd host a Sunday sesh and have four or five live bands play. And through that, we had people tour and everything, and it was great, and got involved with a lot of other, like, local music, like um, volunteering with, like, Jungle Love Festival and okay. you know, um, those, those sort of other events that you, you, you bump into each other because the music scene's so small in Brisbane. Yeah. And I remember we, um, we'd start watching some of the acts and we'd be like... I can, I can do that. I mean, these, yeah. these guys aren't that, that amazing. So I went home really drunk one night and sent Benji, who was the, my partner in all this, um, uh, some lyrics I'd written. And I was like, don't, don't read this. Um, I'll show you tomorrow when I come around. I went around his place the next day and I rapped it for him. And he just like looks at me and he's like, are we rappers now? Was, <laughs> yeah, shit. I, th- I think we are. I think, I think we're rappers now. Okay. Um, and we went from there and uh, eventually... Uh, we hopped up. I remember it was after the second ever Jungle Love. We came back and we were doing a gig the next day. And Mathis from Perth was touring. And he's absolutely amazing. Like, Mathis is someone I look up to so much. Okay. And um, I was just antsy. And we'd written a couple of songs. And I was like, why don't we just hop up between between two of the acts and, and just play that one song? I was like, we've, we've done, you know, eight or nine of these shows where we're putting on other people. I, I, yeah. I don't think that's too cheeky just to hop up and do one song once. Um, so we asked the other acts that we'd put on for the bill. And they were like, yeah, go on and do it. So we... We did it and it was amazing. Uh, we probably sucked, but I mean, it felt like it we were felt amazing great. then. Yeah, that's what yeah. matters. And um, so then a month later, we did our first gig and we played for about a year, year and a half as Lagoon Company. Okay. Um, and we had some really weird shit. <laughs> <laughs> Just <laughs> getting into the the obscure side of things. Oh, we're and... such different artists. Like yeah. uh, Benji, foolish is what he raps under nowadays. He um he's drifted far more towards like the new school, new wave, like high energy, hype shit, jumping around. And he's he's really good at it. Okay, um, it's not what I listened to until I met this guy, and he really showed me just how how good this sort of thing can be. So I've since mm. really come around. And when he writes lyrics, he's like um, the closest I can compare him to is Anthony Kiedis from the Chili Peppers. Okay, like just it sounds like just rambling nonsense. There is something there if you yeah. if you know the guy and you can translate what he was saying. <laughs> 
and I'm kind of the opposite. I was really into old school hip hop and my lyrics, you know, there's, there's, you know, metaphors and whatnot in there. There kind of needs to be, yeah. but they're far more direct and easy to understand. Like I get compared to like Seth Century style uh, okay. lyrics okay. a lot. Um, so I was almost acting as his translator for that year and a half, but we had like these really high energy shows and the two of us who should not have been on stage together, but somehow worked. Like people, people liked the dynamic, but everyone was like, how do the two of you yeah. even know each other, let alone work together? A strange combination. Yeah. yeah. And then after a while we kind of um, agreed we both, so that, that project still exists by the way, we played like last week, oh, cool. but um, it's, it's sort of much more on the back burner and we're working on our solo stuff a lot more now which has been great because we both got to go and find our own sounds. Um, so that's probably the last two or three years I've been performing, or probably the last two years I've been performing as a solo artist. Okay. Um, and that's where late one officially, you know, started appearing on posters and that sort of thing. Um, but it's allowed us to find, find our sound a lot more. So when we do hop on stage together, we're both better at what we do than we used to be. So it's now a better combination as well. Okay. But it's been a long road. Like I've been doing this for fun for about five years and performing of some sort for about four and seriously as a solo artist about two years. Okay, so where where did the name come from? I'm always like everyone's got really. Uh, I wouldn't say they've all got obscure names or like out there names, but I mean you got to you got to be creative. In in my rap yeah. crew, I've got this crew. The roster is what we go by. Um, there's a guy called Taylor. His name's Tails. Tails. There's okay. a guy called Jesse Brooks. His name's Just Brooks. I'm that that name rings a bell. Um, oh, he's a fantastic ba- singer. Baby Mama. Uh, Jay Bloodsworth uh, knows her from something. That's gonna. Bug that's me that's so a much. dude. Sorry, he's a dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I know that. Um, yeah, no, it's gonna bug me because she she knows him or something or vice versa. I can't remember. Fuck, I'm gonna come back to that anyway. <laughs> we'll come back. Oh, uh, well, later. Yeah. But yeah, um, but I mean, my so, name my name's Leighton. My rap name's Late One. Yeah, I mean, it's not crazy creative. It's what my dad called me when I was a little kid, just making dumb dad jokes and. When oh, I first started rapping, okay. I went through like 50 different names and couldn't find anything that worked. And in the end, that just happened to fit. Just happened to fit. Okay. It's authentic. It's me. Like it's, it's what I was called when I was like seven years old. So it suits me now that, you know, I'm growing up and doing my own thing, I guess. And you feel like that bounces off with a lot of the content and music and lyrics and stuff that you produce? I yeah. Guess? I mean, I, I didn't start rapping even for fun until I was like 25. I'm 30 now. So yeah. like I'm late into the scene. I've got a bit of a laid back, lazy delivery I am late for every single event you ever invite me to. <laughs> um, it, 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 it suits me. It really does. So not only is it just the, the, the dad joke nickname, <laughs> it's, it's something that's kind of relatable yeah, as well. Yeah. yeah, But I firmly believe though, the artist makes a name. It's not the other way around. Yeah. Like if you, you have the best name in the world and if you suck, no one cares. And you can have a terrible name. And if you're really good, then people will still get excited about you anyway. Yeah, yeah. There's some really fucking weird names out there. And yeah. like, it's not even really so much the name that people go for. It's like uh, half the time, well, from my experience anyway, those those guys or bands that have the weirdest fucking names are usually the ones that go the hardest as yeah. well. Psychedelic um, porn crumpets, that sort of thing. Like. Yeah, yeah. Just weird wacky shit like Garlic Nun as well. Their favorite boys from, from <laughs> Melbourne. Like yeah. Their name just sounds like really fucking weird and then you see them live and it's just a fucking party. Like yeah. I, got, I, had, I had the chance to talk to them on this like as a live episode. Um, and yeah, they're just the nicest guys. They're so chill. And just anything that's related to the show and them like personally sort of thing. Like when you think about like separating that whole artist from the music, like they're really nice. They're really great guys. Like just talking to them outside of it. You see them up on the stage though and they're just fucking loose. Like yeah. it, it, it's, it's so funny. It's like a change up. Um, I find like, I mean, even, even just when you get onto a stage, your persona sort of just shifts anyway. 
Like, you feel like it's got to as well. Like, it took a while for like late one is very similar to me as Leighton, like mm-hmm. in terms of his you know, personality and everything. But when you get on stage, you do have to sort of put on this mask or persona or have you want to put. You have to embody the artist. Yeah, it's because Leighton's a shy dude. But late one yeah. will get up there and he'll do his thing. And like I, I do a lot of freestyle sets, so I'll get on a stage in front of a couple of hundred people and have no idea what I'm going to say, and you just make it up on the spot. And you need to be a lot more confident than I am to yeah. do that. So yeah. like sort of when you step on that stage, you do have that little transformation thing. In my case, it's very minor, but I've seen plenty of people like uh, who completely shift when they hop up there. Yeah, like you, you see it too, like especially um, those those bands with like that um, really full on shows and stuff, and mm. they they're just in your face. They just have like that switch yeah. where they change, and you can just see it. Like it's amazing. Like when you see it, like turn off, like on and off sort of thing. You know, you see them. They're just like fucking in your face. Yeah. Like when they're playing, and then you talk to them afterwards. Like, oh hey, how you going? Well, I think like uh, <laughs> I've seen this with like metalheads and with rappers. They'll all be sitting around smiling and laughing and the second someone pulls out a camera, everyone just starts scowling and looking tough. Yes, it's, it's yeah. the same with when you're hopping on stage. You know, you, you put yeah. on this, this persona that's the way all the songs are written or the way you perform and... Gotta look fucking metal. Yeah. yeah. I remember when, when I first started, there were all these guys around Brisbane, dudes like uh, Gallus and Midas Gold and everything, um, who were, they, they were just honestly like pretty cool guys. Yeah. And I, I never really have been that. I've never been fashionable. Like I've never been able to dance or anything. And these were the guys that I was seeing perform. And when I first started out, it was kind of intimidating thinking, how am I going to be like this? Mm-hmm. And eventually a, flitch, a switch flipped for me um, that I don't have to be. I kind of realized I'll never be the guy that people are looking at on stage like, oh, he's so cool. I wish I could be him. But being, you know, an overweight dorky dude that can't dance, like I can be that guy on the stage that people look at and go, I get him. Like I, I am him. I've, I've hung out with that guy. I've had a beer with that guy. He looks like me. Exactly, exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I guess that's part of it too, I guess, with, with talking about the name and the persona and the artist. Right, you just have to yeah. find your own lane. And one thing that's always been very important in the culture of hip-hop has been honesty. Yeah. Lyrical honesty and rawness and that sort of thing. A lot of the big bands from New York and that sort of thing were all sort of brutally honest about their upbringings and that sort of thing. Um, and even even you got genres nowadays like nerdcore and that sort of thing where they're, they're these super nerdy dudes that just get up and rap about video games. And that's yeah, fine fuck. too. Hey, What's it called again? Nerdcore. Nerdcore. Yeah. Well, see, I've, my first instinct went because, like, in, in metal and hardcore and stuff, you've got hardcore and then you've got, like, your subgenres, like yeah. deathcore and, and metalcore and fucking, like... Oh, You're talking about grimecore before we got on the... On yeah, the uh, and grindcore as well, like... Oh, grindcore, was yeah, it? Yeah, grindcore. I said grimecore. That's grimecore. I mean, that's pretty fucking dope. Surely there's, like, a grime genre oh, there's, a, there's a grime there. genre in hip-hop. Yeah, well... That's the UK sort of sound that's been really popularised oh, in Australia okay. Lately. Well, I think if there was anything sort of close to the term grime would probably be sludge. That's what I was thinking. There's like a sludge genre, like sludge doomy sort of thing. And yeah, I I thought when you said uh, that, I thought thought it's a hardcore band or some shit that rap, (laughs) that that, uh, sings or plays about, uh, uh, um, what do you call it, video games and shit. Well, there's a genre in hip hop as well called horrorcore. Horrorcore. I'm not sure if you got an equivalent in the rock and metal world, but basically they just get up there and they rap about just really grotesque and violent imagery. Oh, that's that's death metal. So you, 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 you told me before we, we got on this as well, like uh, you listened to a bit of Tyler, the Creator and Earl Sweatshirt. Yeah. So early Odd Future was definitely oh, in that horrorcore yeah, lane when yeah, they were oh saying that God. really horrific shit. Holy fuck, yeah. What's that? That uh, was wild. Yeah, the the first video clip I saw, of it, no, Yonkers is uh, Tyler. Yeah. Um, what was the Odd Future one? Um, it was it was a like, really ridiculous beat. There's they're in a car park. One of the guys like jerks off and 
shit goes into his face. Oh, was that, created um, as a unicorn or a... Oh, that was... That was um, fuck. That was off the Goblin out. Oh, what, what? It was, was going to eat me up. It, that's going to bug the fucking shit out of it me. It had a really well. weird name. It was like just seven letters. Or Rella. Rella. Rella, yeah, yes, that's yes. it. Um, that, that was the first song I heard from those guys and I was like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> that was one of the albums I was most excited for out of anything in my entire life. Like waiting for that to come out. I was doing like a countdown like every day, like 14 days till this album comes out. I, I think it was on Future Volume 2 or something the tape was called, but... Yeah, right. Um, that, that group that they're called is like Odd Future, something, Kill Them Odd All. Odd Future, or? Wolfgang, Kill Them All. That's it, yeah. Um, and it, that's each one of the artists, is it? Or is that just what they call No, them? it's just a name, I think. Like, Because, okay. um, I mean, it gets abbreviated heaps to Odd Future or just the... Uh, Acronym for it, yeah, and then the sometimes letters. they'll mix that up. So like Wolfgang, and then they'll call themselves Flognor or whatever. And I yeah. think they were just a bunch of young kids that were just having some fun. Like, oh fuck, that doesn't look like anything that like, <laughs> like older, more mature people have probably come up well, this, with. Well, this I is say. like some some punk rock sort of equivalent in in hip hop, though. Yeah, well, yeah. There's definitely they just came up. They broke all the existing rules. They're as loud and nasty as they could be. Yeah, it was simple stuff. I mean, the the Yonkers video, for example, that was just shot in a black and white camera and everything. All that. The stuff prior to that was basically shot in smartphones and everything. Yeah. Um, and with the exception of Earl and I think Tyler as well, none of them had really rapped much before. And it's just that equivalent of picking up a guitar and learning three chords and playing it as fast as you can. And Yeah. Um, hip-hop and punk for me have always had a lot of... Sim- I, was, I was into punk before I got into hip-hop and there's always been this... For me, the main similarity is just this low barrier for entry. Mm. Like, if you want to be the next Jimi Hendrix, you better start, have started playing guitar when you were seven years old. And you need yeah. to play it 24 hours a day from then on just to reach that sort of like echelon that that man was in. Exactly, but yeah. But to be the next six pi- Sex Pistols, you just need to buy a cheap guitar and get drunk. Um, <laughs> yeah. But that's, that's part of the appeal. It's this grassroots music that anyone feels like they can do. It, it's, and with hip-hop, you yeah. just need a pen and paper. You just need to write down some lyrics and rap them. Um, that's that's pr- the best way to come at it as well, I suppose. Like, yeah, I had no was- idea what I was doing when I started. Yeah, because like that, that's the next thing. Like It seems so... Uh, when when I think about it, like obviously it's so easy to just like want to write a song sort of thing, yeah. Because um, I can pick up a guitar and I can play I can play chords and I know how to count it, keep a beat sort of thing, and I can add words to it. Whereas um, me looking at thinking how the fuck would I learn how to uh, you know rap or do hip hop? I'd be staring at a piece of paper and thinking. Yeah, but how'd you learn how to how to improvise on guitar? You just started doing it, right? I did start doing it, but for me, like the correlation of trying to work out a beat to go with the lyrics and yeah. stuff, like I I feel oh, almost it's, it's like a, it's a slightly different skill set. I'll it's, give you. It's but interesting, if you can do yeah. one, you can learn to do the other. Yeah, it, it's really interesting, and I think my brain kind of just goes, "How the fuck am I supposed to work this out?" <laughs> because there's not another instrument yeah. like in front of me. It's just like my head and my thoughts, like, and that's. Like I use that in Well in, most in most people would write to an existing beat. Yeah. So yeah. um you could either have someone produce a beat for you or even I mean if anyone out there at home wants to give it a bash, just go into YouTube, type in your favorite hip hop song's name or favorite hip hop artist's name and just follow it with the words type beat or type instrumental. And on YouTube there'll be five hundred motherfuckers who have put up songs that they think remind them of this artist or this song. Okay. And they're just beats. And just press play and just say whatever comes into your head. Oh, and do right. that yeah, okay. a lot of times and eventually you know, you'll be you'll be pretty good at it. It's okay. And is that something that you did? Oh, absolutely. I mean, so when after I showed my, my mate foolish that that first rap that I did, mm-hmm. um, actually, fuck, can I just do that right now? Yeah, go for it. All right, I fucking love it. Without a beat. Uh, let me think. It's been a while. So when uh, 
the truth can be harsh, but delusion is kind. So why look at the world when this illusion is fine? I'm scoring points, smoking joints while I battle my mind. I keep my back to the future while I travel through time. I sleep with one eye open, then I spend the day blind. I got my mind on a waste, what a waste of my mind. I've been losing my footings as my travels unwind with trembling bones and a rattling spine. I'm just pushing forward, no destination in mind. I'm drunk and bitter, keep your lemon and lime. I guess asking friends for favors is fine, but favors from friends have never been a favorite of mine. Always thought I'd age well like the finest of wines, but those grapes can be sour and wrathful at times. Feel like I'm stuck on repeat. Hearing lingering rhymes, I'm getting hustled and bumped by the hustle and grind. And so that was just like the first thing I ever wrote. Fuck yeah. That's <laughs> fucking sick. Uh, yeah. But also like when I, when I first wrote my first ever rap, I was like 25 years old as yeah. well. So I had, you know, a bit more going on upstairs than your average 14 year old does when they first start writing. Fuck the police. Yeah, Pull up guns, whatever you whatever you can think yeah, of, yeah. like that's at the time or whatever that would grab your attention. Yeah. yeah so I, I I showed him that verse, and I, so we're, we're rappers now, right? Yeah, cool. So let's let's freestyle, I guess, because we we thought all rappers could freestyle. Then yeah, turns out like maybe half can. I mean, a lot just because someone can write a song and perform a song, it's a completely different skill to freestyling. Um, a lot can do both. A lot can only do one. A lot of great freestylers can't write a song to save their life, and a lot of fantastic songwriter rappers can't freestyle mm-hmm. like at all. Um, but anyway, it's we, a fucking like. I mean, like I'm no musician. I haven't played. I can't really credit myself as saying I've played in a band. Like I've played garage ones. Obviously, I nearly <laughs> got one started, sort of thing. But like that whole concept, yeah. Like uh, you've just got to get out there and do it. Yeah. You know? And without like, how are you going to know unless you don't fucking try? Yeah. So we put know? on a beat. I think it was a. Oh, if I remember, it might have been like a GP Will instrumental or something. Um, and we were like, okay, we're going to freestyle over this beat, and the beat starts. Yeah. I was like, all right, I'm going to go. I'm going to go, all right, what the fuck am I supposed to do? Like, we, we, we had no idea. So we, there was just sort of this build up. We we're like, all right, I'm going to go. I'm going to go. I don't know what I'm doing. Um, and so we, it was, it was lucky the two of us sort of learned together because we just went back and forth. And first, you know, I'd get two words, two lines, four lines to rhyme. And then he would, and we'd high five. I'm like, yeah, we, we just did something. Mm-hmm. And then eventually you'd get to, you know, fours and sixteens. And eventually we could rap for a minute or two freestyling consistently. And then we kind of looked at each other and we're like, yeah, but we're not saying anything. We're just saying fucking nonsense, which is absolutely fine, by the way, if anyone's doing this at home. That's a, it's definitely part of the process. But um, yeah, so if, and then we're like, okay, well, let's go back and we'll just focus on keeping it short again and nice and simple, but we'll try and actually say something that matters. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, gradually over time it built up, but it, it takes a while. I've, I've, not, I've actually, fuck that. I've met some people that pick it up like the first time they ever try. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah fuck, I fuck. hate those people. Yeah, <laughs> um, like, I, how the fuck? <laughs> yeah. But it's just it's just about doing it, and since then I've I I love nothing more these days than to have someone around in my house and have a freestyle, and it's my, I, I try and do it once or twice a week if I can. It's like meditation for me. Yeah, you right. Sort of, your mind goes a bit blank. You just in the moment. It's just you and the beat and the words you're saying, and you know the the people around you having a few beers and laughing at the shit you talk. Um, so I've I've made a point to really try and teach a lot of people to freestyle as well. Mm-hmm. So some of them like B grade who I've worked with a lot and will continue to do so. He was already a rapper, but he didn't know how to freestyle. Mm-hmm. Picked it up super quick because he could already rap. So it, it wasn't that much of a difference. He just had to sort of get past the confidence barrier and just learn to keep pushing forward. Mm-hmm. Um, Just Brooks, another guy I work with a lot. He's amazing. He's so much better than me now at freestyling. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> at, at battling especially, he's really mean. But he, he came up as sort of like a, a blues <laughs> he musician. He's cutthroat, is Dude, he says some shit. <laughs> <laughs> it hurts but um yeah like he, he started out as like a bluesy sort of indie rocky i don't know quite how to categorize it um but he he's a very diverse musician he's a singer he's a guitarist he plays bass plays keys he, he can just do anything he's yeah he's the sort of savant of our crew okay but we, we we taught him to rap as well and again he picked it up really quickly because he was already a musician yeah you've already got the basic 
transferable skill set. Just because you yeah. can play guitar doesn't mean you can play bass, but you'll probably learn it quicker. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. It's um, two less strings as well most of the yeah. time. So <laughs> like, that makes it hella easier as well if you know how to, and you're just playing the bass line. Yeah. You know, so... But yeah, yeah. so since... I mean, even, even beyond that, just mates who happen to be around, if there's four of us there and three of us are rappers, we're going to sit there and rap. Yeah. So the other person is like, learn or... Fuck off. <laughs> learn, learn, shut up, or go away. Yeah, yeah. but yeah. A, lot of, a lot of them as well have become you know, really decent, and it's, mm-hmm. just, it's just the most fun thing to do. So when, when you first wrote that, that uh, banger before, mm-hmm. when you were doing it, how long did it take you to work out how to enunciate it and how to, like, like that tone that you had? Yeah, yeah. How okay. do you, that sort of shit, because everyone's different, I know mm-hmm. that, but, uh, like, okay, say off the bat, uh, white boy, white boy showing here Eminem oh, um, one, like, of, one of the all time greatest yeah um, like in most of his songs he has that 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 articulation like towards the end like it's almost like he's shouting but he's kind of not yeah, like, yeah. and there's like that uh, I don't even want to try and imitate Cadence, it cause, sort of yeah yeah um, so like obviously it's kind of like a like we were talking before, like persona-esque like, yeah, yeah. like you're putting on a different voice or, or anything or something like along those lines. Um, how soon did it come for you, kind of to you to like pick up um, on like what's your sound like or how do you want to make it sound? So I don't think I was a natural at all. Um, when I first wrote that one, I remember I showed it to a few people and um, Midas Gold was one of the ones I showed it to in particular. Mm-hmm. Um, and he kind of told me that, you know, I need to learn to flow better and deliver it better. And me being, you know, super cocky and thinking my first song was really cool, was like, yeah. kind of, I kind of just missed it at the time. But that guy was right. He was yeah. 100% right. Um, just because you've got some nice little words in there doesn't mean anyone's going to listen to them if they don't sound good. And to start with, I fucking hated my voice, man. Like, I, I hated how I sounded on songs. Mm. I hated my accent. I mean, you, you grew up listening to American hip-hop. Um, I did. I know, I know a lot of guys as well who grew up listening to Australian hip-hop, but I grew up mm. listening to the American stuff, and I hated how I sounded. And it just got to the point where um, you just have to fucking deal with it. Yeah. This is my voice. Um, <laughs> I'm this like I'm in no means in the same boat, like in terms of writing the music, mm. but podcasting, right? Like I fucking hate my voice so well, much. You, but you'd be getting more used to it, I imagine. Oh, now I don't give a shit if you hate my voice exactly. or not. Like fucking whatever. Like That's I it. am who I am. But like at the first, you, you still you, it still plays in your head regardless. You're like, but more so when you listen to it. Like you don't <laughs> you don't care what fucking anyone else says. Like, you know, I, I, voice, I, but I, me, I'm like, little, fuck, I don't want to listen to my own voice. This is really weird. I performed like, a little operatic section in a bit that me and some mates are writing. We're, we're, we've got a little crew called The Roster, which we, we went away for a loose weekend at Noosa. Yeah. We, the idea was we'd fool around and see if we'd come back with three or four collabs. Because collabs are great because you have to write half as much of the song. You only have to do half. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you get twice the, the exposure yeah. and it costs half as much to put out. Yeah. Um, and also it's a good way to like share fan bases and like... Um, and get to know the other musos oh, as well, absolutely. especially. I, yeah. I love collaborating. I've got more collabs and I have solo songs out at the moment. Yeah, okay. But um, we... Uh, we went up thinking we'd write three or four collabs and at one point we're sitting down on the Saturday and we're like, well, shit, we've just written 20 fucking songs. Yeah. So now right. we have an album that's going to be coming out mid-year. Fuck, um, okay. That it's easy. called The Roster. We've got uh, yeah. myself, Tails, Jesse, B- uh, Just Brooks, sorry, B-Grade, uh, Able to, Eight Man, and The Jackal. Um, of the seven of us, about three or four can produce, four or five can rap, three or four can sing, and it's just this whole varied attack Mm. Of, uh, you haven't heard anything like it before. It's one of the 
for better or for worse, this, this is going to be one of the most unique albums ever to come out of this city. <laughs> there is okay. some weird shit on there. So at one point I was recording this opera line because we uh, weren't sober the whole weekend at Noosa and some weird shit yeah, happened. Yeah, no shit. Um, and when I was recording the opera line, it took me right back when I first started doing doing rap and hearing myself record where it's like, fuck, I hate my voice. Yeah, okay. Um, but you just have to embrace it. And I mean, the the cadence, the swagger, the the, the style that comes into it. Yeah. I think a lot of that comes from performing and also like over-practicing. Once you've done the song a hundred times and you know exactly what it is, mm. it's a lot easier to fuck around with it a little bit. Yeah. Um, and like experiment with where you're putting the syllables and how long you're holding them for or... Um, and then, you know, I, I, I've released a track with Tails from, from that crew as well uh, called Get Even. Okay. As soon as we recorded it, released it, and then Just Brooks, my mate, just goes, oh, you should do that line in an English accent. And he was right. And it's so much better in English accent. And whenever I do it live, it fucking pops in the English accent, but it's not on the recording because, you know, oh, I didn't get there in time. Yeah, no kidding. Songs will always evolve though. And your style as a rapper will change depending on how much you let it and how open you are to experimentation. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I think when everyone first hears themselves recorded, they hate themselves. Because mm. um, it's, it, it's really interesting because like with this genre the main focus is your voice. Like I know like in, in, in like the other, like any other song you can think of, like if they have a horrible voice, you're not going to fucking want to listen to it. But mm. like, not just, not just the, your voice that is uh, the main attraction. It's the lyrics in this one, like as, as the whole thing, like you're yeah. supposed to be this lyrical master who can like, <laughs> you know, like rhyme in every line and, yeah. and do all this sort of stuff. So you've already got that expectation. So people are like more focused on what you're saying. Mm. Then say like your typical punk band or hardcore band, like there's so many sounds, it's all being thrown at you. Like there's a lot to take in. Whereas yeah. in this, it's just you and the beat that you got behind you. Yeah. So like the, I could understand, especially like uh, before, like you were saying, like, um, like the anxiety behind it too as well like is is hearing your own voice and getting up on stage to perform it as well at the same time like i it's it's interesting to me it's as so well it's fun though man yeah like just getting up on stage and performing is the biggest rush you'll ever get i've yeah. not found a drug that compared to it it's so much fun to just get up there and just perform to a crowd be it 10 people or 500 people yeah and just engage with them I remember the first... Well, I, I, I don't remember my first set. Me and me and Foolish had put together a set. We'd practiced a hundred times and we got up to our first set performance. Mm-hmm. And all I can really remember is saying, and now this is our last song. And just thinking, shit, where did the last half hour go? Because I was just so fucking pumped on adrenaline. Yeah, it was just I, shooting through. It was through, just yeah. blur. It seemed like we'd been up there for 10 seconds when I announced the last song. Yeah, right. It's just a rush. I've been chasing it ever since. But... Um, it's addictive. Oh, mate. Yeah. And, I mean, yeah. anyone out there that's worried about their voice or anything, just don't be. Just, just get, get a microphone, get a pen, find a beat on YouTube and just start. It Does, doesn't matter what it is, but especially if it's hip-hop as well. Mm. Like, Because, again, like for me, obviously my main audience has been more of the punk, the, the, mm-hmm. the metal, the hardcore, that sort of group yeah. of people, right? So getting to not only speak to you, which has, again, been fucking awesome, um, but get to know more about 
the artists themselves, like how many are actually out there, sort of thing. Like, I got fucking no idea. We breed like fucking rats, man. There are so <laughs> many of us. See, and I got like I can't, I can't even keep track of all the rappers in Brisbane. See, and I got fucking no idea. I got yeah. no idea. Like, I knew like Butterfingers off the top of my head. I knew you through Schema Fest guys mm-hmm. and all that because I didn't actually get to go to that second day of the Schema Fest because that was the day you were playing. I'm yeah, pretty yeah. sure. Um, I'd went to the day before that. Mm. Um, that was interesting for us actually. That's Schema Fest because yeah. that was we don't often get the opportunity to be invited to perform in a rock space. Mm. Um, there's just this there is just this divide between the scenes. It, Which yeah, is strange yeah. because almost every musician I know fucks with all music. Mm. Um, yeah, there might be exceptions, but... And rap, well, getting that hip-hop beat in particular, not even so much like getting the rap, like the, 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 the style of enunciation or whatever behind it, but just even that beat. Yeah. Like, a lot of people will fucking love, like, that's their focus. Like, that's what they like most out of it, so they'll replicate the beat. Yeah. Um, and you know, like what why why not just go and check it out and fucking see well, the I, words um, behind it, you know? I remember afterwards there was a screamo band, I can't remember the name, but they performed and I went up to the, the lead singer afterwards. I was like, How do you do that? That looks so exhausting. And he yeah. was like, How do you do that? That looks so exhausting. <laughs> um Yeah. I mean there's, there's I, I find generally amongst artists there's this mutual respect. I feel like the line between the um the genres is more drawn by fans and elitists. I was about to say artists. it's more of a fan thing when you get yeah. to the end of the day when when especially when you come across those like festivals that you go and play at and they have that variety and you get to speaking to different ones, which is really good. Like especially for me now too, like I've been getting to speak to more uh more musicians and more mm. people that are involved in the scene and not only like how fucking tight knit it is, like yeah. everybody fucking knows everyone, which is you know that's like that's as I've worked out, that's fucking Brisbane for you. Yeah. Um, oh, I mean, there's there's like three people in the city, <laughs> right? Um, so it, it, it's it's been really cool to especially see how they speak to one another and like interact, and it's always like really, or it's always an uplifting experience I've yeah. seen or like viewed from it, and it's always like. Well, from the chatter online or whatever, hmm. or even just like by the fans or by the people that listen to it rather, yeah. that make that divide. Like, what and was, it's not a dig on anyone. What was it's weird just that's the Fest though, right? So they had um, the rock bands up on the main stage at the zoo, which is a fantastic stage. And then you guys were we're at the at other the end where the bar is, yeah, in yeah. elevated area as well. Um, and the sets went back to back. So literally, the last note that was played, like the last, yeah, they switch drum over, hit, yeah. And but there was no time between. Yeah. So it was like the last like little power chord and then immediately the rapper would start at the other end. Yeah, fuck. And then as soon as you finish your track, yeah, the lead singer would come out at the other end. What the fuck is up, Brisbane? <laughs> yeah. um, and that was that was that was kind of this cool dynamic, but it was like watching a tennis match because people yeah. were just going from like one end to the other end to one end to the other end all throughout. But what also really struck us as we were leaving, because again, we don't get the opportunity to play in these spaces very much. I've I've got mm. plenty of rock gigs as a punter, but mm. being there as a performer is kind of different. Yeah, yeah. And it was almost like there was Animosity is not the right word because everyone was really friendly. But between mm. the rock acts and the hip hop acts, it was like we 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 knew they were the rock acts and they knew we were the hip hop acts. <laughs> and like there I, wasn't, I kind of get what you're getting. It as wasn't well, until yeah. people got a bit drunker later on that like there was much more like chatter was, between us. There, there was, was there was yeah. no there was no bitterness or anything. There was just like this. It's like someone had drawn a line across the room. And I know the schema guys are doing their best to try and mix everyone, and that, that's yeah. fantastic. I mean, that was the whole idea behind yeah, the, yeah. the whole and thing. Yeah, it, it ended up happening. Yeah, but I mean, it was almost just like by the clothes people were wearing, you knew yeah. exactly who they were there to see. I mean, if they yeah. were there to see a rock band or a hip hop, yeah, band. right. So like, I made a point. I wore my Black Sabbath shirt that day. I figured yeah. I'd like reach across the divide. <laughs> yeah, I'm rapping, but I'm, I'm wearing threshold. Black Sabbath. Come on, guys, yep. I meet you in the middle. Um, 
It's well, a good one to go with too, as well. Yeah. Like you can't go about go oh, wrong with that. Absolutely, mate. The first two albums in particular. Oh, so good. But um, yeah. So the, the one thing we noticed though was like all the rappers we all knew each other, and we all just sort of hung out as a group. Yeah. Because we collaborate a lot. We we all know each other. We all hang out. And the very least, we've been to each other's house and had a freestyle or shared a beer or something. Mm-hmm. Whereas the rock groups, they all hung out like with their band as opposed to hanging out as like one big. Yeah. One big scene. Yeah. And we'll talk about this afterwards. And we sort of this is just our theory, by the way. But we were thinking, like, with the rock groups, it's like your group against the world. Like, it's the four or five or six year against the against everyone else. You're going yeah. out there, and that that's that whole like you know motley crew. That sort of like you know where this fierce self tight knit unit mm. we're going out, we're fighting everything is out there. The misfits sort of DIY yeah. mentality, and I respect the hell out of that. But I really like having like a room full of like, thirty rappers, and even though we're all competitive as hell, we'll still all sit down and you know, genuinely give advice and share secrets and everything. And rap, rap mm-hmm. is super competitive. It, there is always only one best rapper on the planet. Yeah. By its nature, it's competitive genre. I was, that, that, again, sorry to interrupt, yeah. but that, that is another question as well that I was going to say is, is there a sense of like, you have to be the best, like to be the best and be the most noticeable, you have to like be better than everyone else rather than being- uh, In a sense. Like so the like, best um, act or like the best experience. Like What I like about hip hop is it's allowed me to be whoever the fuck I wanted to be. Um, no one from my high school would ever have guessed that I was the one that was going to go on to become a rapper. Yeah, um, right. Okay. And in, in, in hip hop, you can be anyone you want as long as you earn it. So okay. you don't have to go out and be the best of all time. You just have to be good enough for people to give a shit. Yeah. And they'll accept any persona you're putting on, any any um, characterization that you want to be, any... Um, I mean, but at the same time, it, 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 it is competitive. There's yeah. always the best, be that the most plays or you know the fastest, or there, there might be different categories people use, but everyone has one mm-hmm. at any given time. And that, that torch gets passed. Yeah. Um, I mean, there was a period where it was Wu-Tang or Biggie or Tupac or, you know, there's, there's plenty of people who've been number one. Um, so it is always competitive in that nature. Um, when you do a cipher track, a cipher track, this is probably more unique to hip hop, but that's when five or six guys will just jump on a beat. Uh, and it might not even have a chorus. It could just be verse, 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 verse. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like a showcase, I guess, is, is the best way to put it. And on a cipher, there is one best verse mm-hmm. and it is yours or it's not. Yeah. So you have to like come correct and... There's a saying in hip hop, show and prove, which basically just means demonstrate how good you are. Okay. Um, so you always you always have to do that. You, you can't get lazy and just write bad stuff and expect people to keep listening to you. <laughs> yeah. Um, Otherwise, they're just gonna tune out and go, "What the fuck?" It's yeah. like when a, it's like when a when a metal band or a rock band like fucking changes their sound to go to something completely drastic. Best example off the top of my head is Bring Me the Horizon, right? Mm-hmm. So they were fucking super screamo, yeah. like super fucking death y like when they started. And then now they're like fucking, you hear them on, like on the radio all the time and like their sound has completely shifted from being that really in-your-face screaming to like that more like... Easier listening. Or whatever it was. <laughs> I can't oh, even, I, I really don't like if... Yeah, it's it's no. a tough it's a tough basket though, man. Because if you don't change your sound, yeah. you're boring and derivative, and you never grew up. Yeah. And if you do, you're sold out. Like, yeah, it's a it's a really fine line, especially with a lot of people. Like the, the I, well, not a Bowie, lot. Of people, Bowie's but one of the few artists that was allowed to actually change his sound, and yeah, people right. just went with it. Like, because he did it like every album, it was expected. Yeah. And bizarrely, right now, Harry Styles from One Direction. You know what? I've been hearing chatter about this motherfucker Dude, since I mean, he's so doing this, solo. I'm, I'm as shocked as anyone that I like Harry Styles. Yeah. I, I did not. Ex- I did not see that coming. What the fuck is going I, on? I, I get it, like, so, is he the next JT or some shit? Or oh what? man, he he 
could almost be the next Bowie at this rate. Like he's got a long way to go before he can claim yeah. the title, but he's been changing like a fucking chameleon. Yeah, um, right. And I, I'm stunned because. Because all I'm hearing is that he's actually like, uh, like what I've read anyway is that like his shit's actually been like really popular. Like, and no, but not just that, but actually good. I haven't listened to it, so yeah, I got no it's, idea. It's, it, so I promise you, it's actually worth listening. It makes me almost want to li- like listen to it. Like, yeah, you know, like just because um, it's, it's that still, whole it's still pop, man. But if you look back at the music we idolized from the '60s and '70s and everything, that was pop for its time. Yeah, yeah. the Beatles were a pop band. Oh fuck! The Rolling Stones were, yeah. was pop, man. They, like, they were one of my like they're, they're still to this day like one of my favorite bands to listen to. It. Yeah. Like uh, Led Zeppelin were played on the mainstream radio stations. Yeah, all, all the stuff yeah. we look back at was the pop of its time. And yeah. It wasn't really till like the eighties and the synthesizers and everything came in that what we identify as pop became the thing. <laughs> Glam metal when that fucking shit came <laughs> through with the hair and everything. Holy shit! That it was, was a good fucking, time though. Oh fuck oath! It looked like I'll, a great I'll time. To a fucking Scorpion all day long if I have to. Oh god! But, yeah. Like I mean, what, what I'm saying though is pop's only recently become a dirty word. Yeah. Um, and this is one thing that surprised me since becoming a rapper and actually starting to write and perform and actually create songs is how much newfound respect I have for people like Lady Gaga. Because mm. she writes fucking catchy songs. Yeah. yeah I wouldn't no go kidding. so far as saying I'm a fan of hers, but it kind of made me realize that a lot of the lines in the sand are drawn about the music I listened to and what was cool and what wasn't yeah. were just arbitrary bullshit. And there's really no logic behind that. Yeah, there was more ego into it rather, like for hating something rather that's than. That's it. That's it. Yeah, like, like, and I went, I did that. Like when I went through the fucking real heavy stage and shit, I was like, yeah, fuck that radio shit. You know, yeah. like fuck, oh, it's all shit. Like this is <laughs> the only good stuff is this stuff. You 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 have to fucking. Not, the I'm only even, way you can I'm listen to it through this way. Everything that's on the radio is good. Yeah, either. most yeah. of it is trash. But I'm I've just been surprised yeah. at like how much quality there's been from someone like Harry Styles who I always thought was just this boy band member that I'd never have any reason to give a shit about yeah yeah and you're totally right because like that that's the first thing I thought of it's like I, I've been obviously when you hear like the, the good chatter about certain like artists or songs regardless of what they're in if they're like the mainstream artist crew or yeah. they're the local ones if you hear that the shit that they're doing is apparently good <laughs> you you'll you'll want to check it out, you well, know. That's, that's like, the theory. I mean, yeah. So that, that I'm not quite there yet. So I haven't <laughs> I haven't reached the actual listening to that bit yet. But it's always interesting to see that sort of traction too, like as well. Like I, I take it like we'll, we'll say for Harry Styles as an example, their fame got started through. One Direction. One Direction, Which obviously. I'm pretty sure like X Factor or The Voice or something. It was one of those ones, yeah. yeah. And Simon Cowell saw them, put them together, made a band. Yeah, because he's the fucking godfather, apparently, yeah. of knowing groups and shit. And I mean, to be to be honest, in oh, that instance... bank account says so. Yeah, I was about to say. <laughs> that's what probably matters at the end of the day yeah. for him. Like, he doesn't give a fuck, probably, if they, they turn to trash or not. Oh, like, absolutely not. He's getting he boy jobs from money. women that wear diamonds exclusively. Like, he's, yeah. he's happy he's on a yacht. Like He made his money off that shit. Yeah. yeah. And like, my, my, my girlfriend was always into that sort of thing. And I remember there was a point where, like, I was, you know, looking down my uh, just a bit judgy, you know, like, oh, you should listen to more quality music. <laughs> hey, hey, man, like, I had, like, fucking, like, I got a beard now. Yeah. But when I was, like, between 16 and 20... Or 20, 21, 22 or whatever. Like I had the fucking Harry Style mop cranking, and this was <laughs> it was before fucking Harry Style came man. through. I know, I know. And like as he came through, uh, I'd already had the hairdo before that. So like I'm out getting shit faced at pubs and stuff, and I'll get drunken assholes come by going, "Hey, 
Who's this Harry Styles lookalike motherfucker? Yeah, I, swear, I swear you tried to pick up my girlfriend one night, actually. Yeah, probably. <laughs> like, goddamn. Because um, I got to a point where I was like, fuck this, let's try it. No, I didn't. Um, <laughs> I was way too fucking shy anyway. Like, But like, I just kept getting compared to that yeah. shit. I fucking but hated no, like, it. So I built like a an internal hatred already for like One Direction <laughs> and Harry Styles. Yeah. So yeah, again, when I heard that his stuff was good, I was like, maybe he's I'll got, listen to it. He's got these two solo albums out, man. And I just... He's already got two. Yeah. Oh, fuck. See, I didn't even and know he had... Like, I only just found out he had that one. I didn't yeah. know he had two. No, I mean, the first one was probably like two years ago or something. And again, this isn't... I don't listen to Harry Styles every day or anything. It's more people around me that do. Yeah. Um, like, Jess, uh, Just Brooks, one of the guys who work with, he's, he's a big fan. He's been pushing him on us for years now. Mm. And I, at this point, I just have to admit that he has a point. The dude is talented. Yeah. But at the end of the day, I guess the point I was trying to make is like... If somebody else's music makes them feel the way my music makes me feel, who the fuck am I to judge them for it? Yeah. You know what I mean? If, if, if you know, your, your harder stuff makes you feel the way hip-hop makes me feel, then power to you, man. Mm. Like, it's... A, a person's connection with music is one of those, like... That's, I'm, I'm not a spiritual guy, but I almost say it's like this sacred thing, you well, know, where you, 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 at the end of a bad day, you turn on your music, you lock yourself in your room, yeah, and all's good. You're absolutely right with that as well. Like, I... So how are we judging people? Because they yeah. put on a different CD. Like, yeah. it's... it's, it's I, I know, like, and I'm, I know a lot of people, a lot of us are guilty of being like that motherfucker. And it's only until you're just kind of, you know, like, you just, you get to that point, especially in life, where you're just like, I don't fuck, you don't have the energy to fucking separate all that. So you appreciate good music when you hear it. Yeah. And again, like, uh, for me, uh, as a, uh, as a relation to doing the podcast and stuff, wanting to hear different, genres is a big thing for me because one i want any of my listeners that are listening to hear everything there possibly is to any kind of music there possibly mm-hmm. is out there mm-hmm. in any genre and to give them a platform to uh, not only us get to know them but um give them a platform to get their shit out there yeah well wow, so i spent my platform talking about how harry styles should be listened to yeah exactly he needs a platform it's okay Fuck it, that guy's already rich listen to me instead yeah exactly you know, <laughs> late one is definitely like i'd say 300 million plays behind fucking one of harry styles songs on spotify <laughs> generous, yeah yeah oh probably it's probably over that billion Mate, i'm mark. about to hit 10k on one of my tracks so i'm super proud of that is that so forth Back and forth, back, back and, forth. and forth. That was that was the yeah. intro track we played tonight. Um, yeah, uh, right. Yeah, over yeah. The start. Yeah, um, that was a funny one when we wrote it because before that I was always you know oh my gosh my lyrics will change the world I'm so deep <laughs> fuck that shit. I mean, but I was I was like you you, yeah. you you really think especially with rap it's really easy to fall into this trap that you're going to be um it's a cliche that we use but a lyrical miracle where, oh, okay. where you're you're gonna you're gonna single handedly save hip hop and pull it back from the brink of what the radio has done to it and it's all it's all nonsense. Um, and writing back and forth was with Ape Man, who hosts the show on 4 Z and is pretty prominent. Anyone who listens to the Brisbane hip-hop scene will know who Ape Man is. Anyone okay. who doesn't, check him out. He's really cool. Okay. Um, but he was trying to get me out of that. So we, we wrote a song together um, after the gym one night, and um, he, uh, he was just like, let's just go. Let's just write it. Let's finish it tonight. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. So we wrote the whole thing in like 15, 20 minutes. Yeah. And I remember being super insecure about it. Oh, are you sure you want to put this one out, man? Like it's it's not really my best work. You weren't like, you weren't quite sure. Yeah, no, like it's just it's just nonsense. All we're saying is nonsense. And Let, let's we just are. do another take. Let's do another one. Come on. Easily the most popular song I've ever put out. Yeah. Um and not just in terms of the most plays, but I probably get the most compliments on that one as well. Okay, cool. Um that one's just on a bunch of playlists for some reason. People just really resonated. Yeah. And I mean it's fun. But you kind of in your in your head as a lyricist, you're like, yeah, but it's not. 
It's not world changing. <laughs> you get too critical of yourself. You like, do, man, you do, you do. I was fucking, like, as an example, like, I'm fucking half cut, like, pissed <laughs> and shit when I wrote this, and you guys all think that's my best work. What the fuck? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It, should I just be drunk and stoned all the time? Like, what the fuck? So. It wasn't until I first performed it that I realized how good it actually was. Yeah. And okay. just seeing how the crowd responded to it. Um, that's what it takes for you to realize sometimes, is it? Sometimes, like, yeah. yeah. I mean, like. I mean, you're not making this music in a vacuum, you know, like yeah. as, as the as the artist, the audience response. I don't think anyone should be writing solely to cater for the audience or anything. I think everyone's going to do themselves and be themselves when they write. Yeah. But there's a reason we release it. And that's not, I'm, I'm not saying go and chasing as many listeners as you can or anything. But if you're trying to make listeners feel a certain type of way, then the only real way to know if you are is when, when you see them when, when you're performing live. Yeah, right. And... I mean, with a lot of hip hop, um, especially the underground stuff, isn't necessarily that dancey. It's okay. a lot of lyrics, pretty simple loops. And so what I was used to was playing shows, and this is what I do when I went to a lot of shows as well, where you sit in the audience and you, you sway to side to side a little bit, but you're not really dancing, and you're just kind of nodding your head and cheering for like really good lines and put your hand up in the air sort of thing. But you're not, mm. not like dancing. And I remember um, not only that song, but another song I debuted, they, they were both songs I debuted at the Butterfinger show. And the crowd just started dancing. And I was like, damn. That's what music's meant to do, right? Like yeah, people are meant, yeah, to, meant yeah. to move to it and it felt really good. And so lately I have, I guess, been making an effort to, um, I guess, be a bit more fun with a lot of the music I make. Okay. And that's not to say I'm doing it to get more plays or anything. I'm, do I'm doing it because I really liked how it felt having people respond that way to my music. Yeah. Um, and you're still, I'm still always going to do a lot of the, you know, the deeper, <laughs> the deeper, slower, more paced you know, yeah, quote unquote well, boring stuff because I like doing that too. What we'll do is because I was thinking it's probably a good time for us to give yeah. ourselves a stretch. Um, talk a little bit about like uh, like your focus on what your lyrics are like and stuff like that. So we can do that when we get back. Mm -hmm. um, but in the meantime, we have uh, one of your songs that we're yeah. going to jam. So this one is a track I put together with this kid from Melbourne called Odd Socks. Yep. Um, about two or three years ago, this Sydney rapper called Martian told me I should collaborate with Odd Socks. And I never really did anything about it. It was I was less serious about the whole music thing then. And then I was lucky enough to open for South Century. And so was he in Melbourne. He opened for the Melbourne show. Mm -hmm. And I'd had about four or five bottles of wine when Seth made the post announcing it. Because I, I, I just found out that day <laughs> that I was playing. So I got on the fucking terps. And then Seth made a post and he announced that I was opening Brisbane and Odd Socks was opening Melbourne. Yeah, And really drunk, I just tagged Odd Socks in the post. It was like, hey, dickhead, want to collab? <laughs> um, anyway, I continued to piss up that night. Um, I got a message from about six the next morning and apparently he'd gone and listened to all of my music and was like, yeah, I want to work with this guy. Like we we vibe. Yeah. Um, so uh, he sent me a message saying, hey, you still want to collab? And I wrote back, sorry, I was really drunk last night, then passed out. And I didn't wake up again until like 12. Yeah. <laughs> and he spent that six hours thinking I'd rejected him after inviting <laughs> him to do a song. Yeah. But no, no, I woke up. I was like, yeah, no, I absolutely still do. And he ended up coming up from Melbourne. We did a show in Brisbane. We played the song. It was really great. A lot of fun. And we've just put this one out um, by the time this airs, probably two months ago. Okay, um, cool. But it was weird because when I met him, the kid is like my little cousin. We look similar. We talk similar. <laughs> we act similar. I had, we had no idea. It was like when so I picked him up from clicked. the airport. Yeah. yeah. And this song, for anyone who's ever seen us in person, uh, we're, we're not, you know, the, the flyest of cats. Um, <laughs> and this song is kind of about how we don't really fit into the rap scene. This probably ties together a lot of the points that we've made throughout yeah. this about, you know, not having to be this certain image to be a rapper or anything. Yeah, okay. Um, so, yeah. All right. So cool. Let's give it a bang.
From the very first time I grabbed the mic, you know I liked it Like a link into my mind, I found some calm, a little silence An escape from the mindless, a way to make something timeless Add a little bit of color to my life, a little vibrance, I was vibing Until I met a couple cats who tried to put me in a box Tried to change who I unpack A rapper's supposed to do this, a rapper's supposed to do that Nah man, the only thing a rapper's supposed to do is rap And well I don't doubt that I live more like an accountant Man, you'll never meet nobody more about it than me And pound for pound, it should be more about the sound So fuck anyone who says what I'm allowed to be I've been scouting these scenes, straight scouring the streets Trying to find a couple folks up on the same tip as me No clout, just the dream, but I've been blowing off steam And in the clouds I see the shapes of what my future might be Yeah, I know I don't fit into the scene I look a little different, fucking know what you mean But speakers have no vision, I'ma keep doing me Because the sock don't need a pair as long as you tap your feet, yeah Yeah, I know I don't fit into the scene I look a little different, yeah, I know what you mean The speakers have no vision, I'ma keep doing me Because the sock don't need a pair as long as you tap your feet, yeah So thank you all for looking out Nah, really For checking up on my well-being yep. But let me lay the rest of doubts all right. I'm just where I wanna be mm-hmm. I'm not here to make you bounce no. And I'm not here to make you sing I mean, And while I love all of my crowds I do. This one is more about me When I was a league team, voice hadn't broke, so people leave. At career, the teachers asked me what I want to be. You, you want? should be like Michael, run this office, go forget the streams. But the more that's why, when I fall asleep, I dream of big Beating up a stereotype, they're making me dark and weak. But I may weather this storm, still gonna be questioning me. This had me down like Kendrick, I laid out all the facts. I think I broke the heart, I told him that I want to rap. Hum, she looked me up and down, her face was perturbed. She said the way I look and sound, the shit is absurd. I thought that she was tripping and it just hit a nerve. Until I did a battle Fuck, I said I look like Mark Zuckerberg Yeah, I know I don't fit into the scene I look a little different, fuck, I know what you mean The speakers have no vision, I'ma keep doing me Because the sock you need a pair as long as you tap your feet, yeah So thank you all for looking out Nah, really For checking up on my well-being yep. But let me lay the rest of doubts Alright I'm just where I wanna be mm-hmm. I'm not here to make you bounce no. And I'm not here to make you sing I mean, And while I love all of my crowds, I do. This one is more about me. So, how long did that song take for you to record again? Ah, oh, man, that was that was an interesting one. That was the first time I've ever worked interstate. Um, yeah, because it was it was a collab one that you yeah. Did. Yeah. So the producer Delhi Prez, uh, he's been recommended to me by a few other artists in the past, um, and we'd spoken a bit, and I was looking for an opportunity to do something with him. And Odd Socks is Melbourne based And it was the first time I've ever worked with anyone That wasn't in Brisbane mm-hmm. So we had to do this whole long distance thing Where Delhi made the beat um, He asked me what I wanted And I kind of I don't speak musician all the time I don't necessarily speak producer um, So I kind, <laughs> yeah. of, I kind of like told him like vaguely what I wanted And he came back with a really good beat But it wasn't what I wanted And to his credit he's great with edits And refocusing and everything He's only going to sell you a product that he's actually That you're actually happy with So I sent him a few tracks by way of uh, example. I sent him Swing by Dylan Joel and Mantra. And I sent him, um, oh, what's it called? It's by Ella Squire um, from Big Village Records. Uh, single and uh, On the Prowl, On the Prowl by Ella Squire. Okay. Um, and they're both really sort of swingy, baseline, walking baseline style, style beats. Um, very paced that you can have a lot of fun on as a rapper. You can be a bit funny. You can take your time a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and he sent back this just perfect beat. Um, sent to Odd Socks, he liked it. So then I went and recorded my verse just in a really dodgy... I just basically perched a mic in a cupboard in my house and just 
lay that down because you, you don't want to spend money on a recording session when it's just to show someone your basic idea. Yep. Um, so we did that, sent it to him. He liked it. He sent back his stuff. Um, and then for the final recording, he came to Brisbane for a weekend. And I picked him up. I took the Friday off work, picked him up from the airport about 10, um, dropped everything off at my place. Uh, and we went into the studio about 12 and did the proper final recording. Um, and then that night we went and played a gig and performed it for the first time. Um, only time so far, but mm-hmm. first time as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, then the next day we went and shot a film clip for it. Oh, okay, so there's a film clip attached to it as well. Yeah, it's just us being dickheads in front of a green screen, basically. Oh, okay. Um, I've never worked with a green screen before, so that was heaps of fun as well. That was shot by Q Film Collective, who do fantastic uh, film clips. Every clip I've ever done has been with them. But they do some amazing stuff. Uh, QQUE Film Collective, they're always looking for work. Yeah. Um, and yeah, we just went around and super hungover after the gig. <laughs> I remember I was look, looking at my alarm going off at like 10 thinking, oh, what if I just text and be like, hey man, we've already recorded the song and done a gig. Can we just not do the video? Yeah. And like I messaged him like, hey man, you're awake? And he's like, yeah, let's go. And I was like, fuck. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> so we went, we went out and we did it. Yeah. Um, but it was, it was an interesting process because like when you're waiting for someone to come back at you, you've got to, you know, wait a couple of weeks for them to record and write their verse and everything. And I mean, even if you write it in 10 minutes, it might take you a week to find yourself time alone with a microphone that you can actually record it yeah um but yeah we we found what we did really seemed to mesh when he came to town it was good because we got to massage things a little bit um what we'd originally written was just like two separate verses and when he came to brisbane we sort of took my last four lines or eight lines or whatever and made made a hook and took his last four or eight lines and made like a pre-hook and that's why well, there's that little back and forth sound on the track okay which i think really brought it to life and actually made it it's like fun instead of just us rapping for a while yeah, but no, that was a lot of fun to make. Um, Odd Socks is a great guy. Um, it was a pleasure having him up in town. Um, people should check out his music as well. Odd Socks, O double D S O X. But yeah, I think we both have fairly similar styles um, in terms of in terms of writing, which is probably why we both got on the Seth Century tour as well. Because I think yeah. we're both in that lane. I'm not comparing myself to Seth Century. That man is a god. Um, <laughs> I'm just saying the style of writing that he does is probably the style of writing that I try to do. Okay. Um, yeah. 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 And that, that goes on to me asking as well, like you in particular, what is the style that you focus on in particular? Like what is the, well, not focus on, but what is the style that feels like what most people describe you as? So one thing I've always been known as is being a bit self-deprecating. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'll, I'll uh, make jokes about how I'm fat and everything when I'm when I'm doing my verses. And in hindsight, a lot of that probably came from a bit of insecurity and not mm-hmm. really feeling like I fit into the rap scene. Um, so I would make jokes before anyone else could. Um, sort of, you know, as a defense mechanism, I suppose. Beating them to the punch. That's it, that's it. Yeah. And I've always had a bit of humor in there as well. Um, and everyone likes a chubby fat guy. You know, I was John Candy. I was one of the Belushi <laughs> brothers. Uh, yeah. And like, no one, no one can hate that person. But yeah. also in hindsight, that that probably was a little bit of a crutch as well at some points with writing. But generally, um, the other thing I try and be is relatable. Um, yep. That every man, that real, real person. Yep. Um, I'm not really ever going to be rapping about how I've got gold chains and wear grills because I don't. I'm not going to rap about how I'm a gangster because I'm not. Um, I'm just a typical middle-class white dude from Brisbane and you know I'm, I'm just a pretty regular bloke you've probably had a beer with 10 people who are exactly like me yeah um so my first song last call was about me struggling with alcoholism mm-hmm. um which is something I I wouldn't say I'm a full-blown alcoholic but I definitely have to keep an eye on it um and that song had a lot of punchlines in there as well like it, it was a lot of funny lines in there 
but it was about a serious issue. Mm-hmm. Um, it was funny when I released Very it. Very much so, yeah. A lot of people hit me up congratulating me on my first ever song and I had a lot of people hitting me up saying, hey man, are you, are you okay? You all right? <laughs> like, do 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 we need to have a chat? <laughs> well, that's also a good sign. I think well. I did a good job if they believed it. Yeah. Um, a lot of that was, wasn't was just about me, but it was also inspired by people around me at the time in my life as well. Um, who, a lot of influences can be taken, like in any form of like music or just writing in general. Like That's it, yeah. People, depending on this, you say specifically, like people could take it however they want. Yeah. Like it, it, it's it's a very relatable thing depending yeah. on how you word it. You my, know, so. my second song was She's Better. Um, and I had a huge writer's block after last call. I didn't know where to go from there because I started on such like a heavy sort of topic. Yep. Um, and everything I wrote, I just, I wrote so many songs that I screwed up and threw out because I wasn't happy enough with them. And She's Better was probably more on the funnier side. And it was just all about how my girlfriend's hotter than me. Um, which she is. She's, she's beautiful and I look like a potato. But um, she, uh, I, I mean, it, with, with that one, I guess, to some extent, it felt safe to release because, again, it was self-deprecating. You know, mm-hmm. like it was this like relatable, funny song. I've, I've started like pulling my shirt. The, the, the second verse ends with a line, um, I guess I'm pretty blessed that opposites attract because she's pretty damn attractive and I'm just pretty fat. <laughs> and like as this time has gone on I've started like lifting up my shirt when I do that live and right. we got this video from the back of stage of Seth Century there was like 700 people in the audience at the time it was crazy everyone showed up early because it was a sold out show yep. and when I lifted up my shirt the whole crowd was just like fuck yeah it was like I'd done like a backflip or something cool the crowd was just like yeah go son um, and I, I don't really know Amazing. Like, I, I, I think overall I've, it, it's harder to come up with a concept for me than just to come up with a song Right. Like once I've got a concept, I can write and write and write, and often I'll write almost maybe like four or five verses, and then you know trim them down and cut out all the weaker lines and everything. Or I'll, I'll write two or three verses, and then I'll go back and I'll decide which lines suck, and I'll delete them and rewrite them. Or maybe half the verse sucks, and I'll delete it and rewrite it. And there's definitely a lot of editing. Yeah. But okay. um, generally, I think overall, like relatable and self-deprecating and a bit funny. I like I like punchlines in songs. You know, they're the ones that initially, you know, they make you laugh, so then you go and listen to the song again. Yeah, yeah. It um, makes you it makes you like skip back five seconds so you can catch the verse yeah. again and make sure you heard what you heard. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's it. And um I I think that style comes fairly naturally to me. With Lagoon Company, with my first duo, we were more writing like heavier shit, like about mental illness and struggles, like finding yourself and that sort of thing. That seems like um, a pretty do- sorry sorry to interrupt. No, um, it's a big sort of topic anyway, but that seems to be a very big like what I've noticed anyway uh, from the brief exposure is that like talking especially about like your, your mental health aspect of things yeah. and like what you're dealing with and stuff seems to be very mo- much more prominent it's 2020 uh, you know it's like, weirder if you haven't seen a therapist at some point these yeah, days. yeah I mean I like I, like, I see one like I'm, uh, I'm honest and yeah. open about that oh, like, I, I, don't, I don't regularly see one but I have at mm. points and I'm sure I will again yeah um, just when you need that little little top up you know yeah like I, I see my guy like at least once a month yeah like, you know like and it's just is, a check in this is crazy with, with the rap crew I work with now um, the roster one thing we've always kept first and foremost with us is mental health like we as men can actually talk about that shit yeah um, I've lost people I, I lost my brother to suicide uh last year yeah um and he was a lot older and i remember he'd spoken to me once i just mentioned casually how you know come out of a depressive patch and six months later i saw him again um and he sort of mentioned like you know i couldn't believe that you said that yeah and i was saying what what, it it was fucking true yeah and he was just like wow like 
you know, me and my mates could never talk about this sort of thing. Yeah. Um, and it was just shocking to me. And I sort of like tried to, and unfortunately, you know, in the end that couldn't be enough. And that's, mm. you know, you can't, you can't ever blame anyone in those situations. It's just how life goes. But I mean, it really drove home the importance of, we, we lose far too many young men to suicide and we, we lose far too many I mean, women as well, of course. Yeah. Um, but we, we lose too, far too many people because they, I suppose. There's still that stigma attached. There's yeah. still that stigma attached that if you, if you show the weakness or if you uh, show that there's something wrong with you and like say you need to be... Oh, bro, if you broke doctor, your leg, you'd see a doctor. Yeah, you know what I mean? If you, if, you, if, you, if you need some help upstairs, you see a doctor. You know, it's, it's, it, it's it, the same deal. It's just that perception though that you don't want to be seen as crazy. You don't yeah. want to be seen as that loony that's got, you know, head case problems and shit like that. But at the end of the day, I think if you don't believe that you have had at least once in your life some sort of episode where you feel like that you're crazy like <laughs> i want i want your life like oh no fuck, fuck that man like, like only only boring people have these yeah lives. like and uh, like i said before like i'm open and honest about like talking about that stuff because it is important like mm. i i have been diagnosed with depression i have been diagnosed yeah. with um what is it uh gad generalized anxiety disorder yeah, what? um like i i do take medication mm. like one pill but like i i do take something for it yeah. because well, good I, on you for admitting yeah, that man because you know, this like, is this is like that does need to be more normalized it does because i get some fucking weird thoughts man like <laughs> and it's not even like i'm not thinking about it like it's not something that's normal to me yeah. but like i'm so used to it it's normal back in the like, day they'd be like my friend went to therapy yeah, yeah. And nowadays we're like, bitch, what did your therapist tell you last week? Like, yeah, like, like that's how it, 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 that's how it should be. Like, that's right. like you know, like, and I'm very lucky that I have a strong network of men around me and women around me that I can talk about this sort of thing with. And yeah, because there are some things that can be hard to talk about. Absolutely. But, you know, like it's just that it's that initial thought, like, oh shit, like it's that burden feeling mm. that you're putting on someone, and you know, especially like creatives in particular, like. I haven't met a creative yeah. yet that show me a creative that's not depressed. <laughs> yeah, like it, it's it it comes with the territory. It's it's the same. I don't know if it's cause or effect or yeah. what. I don't know if people become creative because they deal with issues or if people. It's all, it's the same with comedians as well. Like yeah, a yeah. lot of them have got some fucking messed up heads and shit, and that's how they would cope with it is being funny. Yeah, like, and there's their bread and butter, you know, like, and a lot of them deal with a lot of shit, and that's that's how they like project it. It's the same thing with music too, like and, and every day to day stuff as well. Like if you don't talk about it and if you don't normalize it, like say, for ex- like me for example, where I'm like just honest about the fact that I, I see a shrink and do that shit. How like how is it going to get normalized? Yeah. Otherwise, you're just going to keep getting people that are fucking offing themselves, and you, everyone's like, oh poor them. What yeah. can we do to change this? Fucking talk to someone. Exactly. You know, like I mean, I'm, I'm yeah. part of this um, freestyle crew, freestyle mafia. We yep. particularly play a lot of doofs and raves and those sort of events. And more often than not, we're the only hip hop act on the bill. Mm. Um, and the last one we played was this little doofers daycare event. It was called. It was hosted by B Side, top bloke. If anyone out there knows him, shouts out. But he um Didn't you he, do a collab with him? Is that No, nah, it's Big Raid, different guy. Big Raid, Big <laughs> I can I've understand heard, the confusion. I've heard I've heard of B Side. Did they do did he play? B Side does a lot of like looping stuff. Oh, he did play Scheme Fest as well. That's yes, where I've yeah. seen the name, yeah. yeah. So he um he, he's a great guy and he put together this little doof at a bowls club basically. Fuck um, yeah. It was it was it was a lot of fun. But I remember I got there and I'm looking around, all these people, they're not my my people. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? There there's no one there with a Wu Tang shirt on, there's no one there. <laughs> yep. Uh no no one rocking kicks or anything. 
Um, and I just remember I just I started bugging out before before we got up, and I was having like a full blown panic attack before we got. I was about to say that immediately. Like I, I feel like I know where you're going with this. Yeah, like, and, yeah. But I mean, even even just with these guys who aren't most of them aren't you know like my, my core crew that I generally perform with and have around my house every week. Mm. These guys are probably uh, still still certainly good friends, but you know they're not the the ones I see every week. Yeah, and even with them, we were able to talk about and everything, and you know. I, I think it's just, I think it has just become a lot more normalized. And yeah. I wouldn't say necessarily anyone taught me down because I was just like on a knife's edge, mm. got up on stage, it was all fine. You know, it always is. Yeah. Audiences aren't actually that scary. They're only scary before you start your set. Um, yeah. But I mean, it, it's it's just such a normal thing. And I think as well with performers and creatives and that sort of thing, the act of releasing something, the act of performing mm. is sort of, even if even if you just do sillier stuff it's still sort of very bearing and opening opening yourself up to criticism and critique it's that it's that release that you're looking for like with all that built up emotion about how how however you maybe you wrote yeah. the song or like what if what they boo man it. what if they boo what if they throw shit that's scary yeah like what if they what if they don't do what i imagined in my head like what if they don't bounce their head what if they don't yeah. say yeah that was sick like there's so many things that everybody thinks about right before they fucking do any form of performance yeah. like I, I say embrace it honestly every time I've done a set and I haven't been nervous it hasn't been one of my best sets yeah I um, mean if you got butterflies in your stomach fucking digest them use them for fuel and get up there and yeah. like, you, you should be nervous you should if you're not nervous you don't care enough about what you're doing yeah if you don't care enough about performing you shouldn't be doing it because it's it's giving yourself to an audience it, you're there to entertain people have come to the venue they've paid for the ticket they're there to be entertained mm. And to get up and half-ass it is just insulting everyone in the venue. Yeah. I mean, you should care about what you're doing. Oh, absolutely. Um, same, like, if, if we make it relatable to me to, to explain yeah, to you, yeah, it's like, um, you know, like every podcast beforehand, like regardless of if it's my friend or not, like, mm-hmm. or someone that I've met beforehand and I know how to talk to them, I still get nervous. Yo, you know? I was too. I was, I was, yeah. I was like tapping my foot when you're setting up the, the mics and everything. I was yeah. just sitting here just like, oh. Yeah, I, I I've still, never done a podcast before. I yeah. was like, what, what if it doesn't go well? It, you don't know. Like, <laughs> I, I totally get that as well. But like, even bef- like, it doesn't matter who it is. Like, like yeah. I still get that little bit of like, oh, I fucking hope this goes well, or like, <laughs> I hope there's no like shitty ass pauses. But um, as an example for this one, like, I've barely fucking used my laptop. Like, I had like dot points and shit. That thing's on standby now. Like, a lot, <laughs> a lot of this has actually been more. Um, uh, free flow than I was, you know. I'm notorious really for derailing interviews, but you haven't been though because. Oh no, I just uh, talk about know. whatever the fuck I talk about. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's perfect because like it's exactly what we're talking yeah. about now is like I mean, where hit, you're hit derailing me, hit to. With, hit me with some of the stuff we might not have. Oh, covered. look, I don't even think it matters. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but no, uh, well, actually, there is uh, one that uh, off the top of my head anyway that we can go straight from. Like uh, again, like uh, mental health stuff, uh, top. Uh, I guess it, it, it's still kind of like links between it because it just involves the genders. Uh, but, you know. <laughs> what are you saying there, bro? I, I'm losing it. It's all right. Yeah. Um, it, it's all right. I, I'm working it out of my head as we go. <laughs> like, uh, But I've noticed that it's so far from what I've, uh, you know, gone through searching on like Instagram, Facebook and stuff yeah. like that for artists and whatnot, that it's a pretty male-dominated fucking scene. Yeah, yeah. So why why is it so, like, so male-fronted? I think there's a few reasons. Um, and first off, it is. Mm. It is male-dominated. It's a very, uh, for lack of a better word, masculine sort of art form, yeah. which I think is a real shame as well, and I think we're seeing a shift away from that these days. But um, so when things first kicked off with hip-hop back in New York in the early days, 
it wasn't necessarily quite as male dominated as it became. There were artists like Queen Latifah, I'm sure you've heard of, MC yeah. Light, uh, Salt and Pepper. There are a lot of really strong females up there doing their thing. Salt and Pepper's hair. Dude, Salt and Pepper was sick. <laughs> oh, I'm so glad Deadpool brought back Shoop because like, that song's been played everywhere nowadays. And that song bangs. Um, I mean, and, and there, there were a lot of really, really talented female artists doing their thing. Um, and I think a big shift with that came probably when um, uh, somewhere in the 90s. Okay. Um, yep. Gangster rap became a thing. Oh, okay. um, and I think with gangster rap, being gangster in particular has tended to be a masculine thing. Mm-hmm. Um, part of that thing is probably that you need a strong arm opponents and you know you need to be the toughest and the strongest. Mm-hmm. And while women have often played a role in that, they've often been relegated to the sidelines um, you know, because they weren't as physically strong or for whatever fucking reason. Um, and I think with the emergence of gangster rap, we saw a lot less female rappers. There was artists like MC Kim... Um, uh, <laughs> little Kim, Jesus. I've had a couple of beers, listeners. Um, like Little Kim, who were doing their thing as well. Um, but there was certainly less during that period than you previously saw. Yeah. And there was this hugely sexualized thing that came through as well. I was going to um, say, like, every fucking second video you see in a fucking gangster video is like fucking, like, over glamorous girls on the side, like, on the arms of, like, the fucking rappers yeah. and shit doing, talking whatever they're doing. Like, they're used as objects rather than anything yeah. else. You yeah, know? and like, it's, it's a real shame. Um, and even uh, there's a term in the industry for a hook bitch, yeah. um, which essentially is someone that sings your hooks, which tended to be a female that was singing your hooks when the, when the rappers were rapping. I mean, yeah. you can think of a hundred rap songs, even as a non-listener, I'm sure, where there's a female singing the hook and then the guy's rapping over the top. Yeah, you hear, yeah, like it's like the background yeah. voice singer, whatever, over like a certain yeah. part of the song. Yeah, yeah, I, I know what you mean, yeah. As a result of that, I think the industry has evolved to such a place that a lot of females maybe feel uncomfortable stepping onto a mic. Um, I've been to a lot of open mic nights where there's been... 40 or 50 dudes rapping really hard, trying to be the toughest, trying to be the hardest, trying to be the best rapper in the room that night. Um, which unfortunately for them, if I'm there, it's not going to happen. I'm joking. <laughs> no, no, I'm not that guy at all. Um, but um, but I've, and I've, I've spoken to females who are there as well. Um, Laurie uh, from Dragonfire Music, he runs a fantastic event, Freestyle Fridays, which is hosted by Master Wolf. And I remember I've been speaking to Laurie's girlfriend at one of the events and just asking why she'd never hopped up. And mm. she was like, honestly, there's like 40 dudes pushing each other. It's really fucking intimidating. Mm. And that kind of clicked for me. I was like, well, shit, that makes sense. And that's a real shame. Yeah, um, you got 40 dudes to one chick. Yeah. And that just... And those but also there, the way the yeah. dudes are doing it as well. Where we're not making the space open to women. Yeah. Like where it, it's competitive. If you don't start spinning as soon as the next person finishes, someone's just going to hop in and take your spot. Right. Um, it's very... Like doggy dog, I guess you have to assert this is your space. You have to go as hard as you can, be as tough as you can, whatever. Even if you're not tough, like I, I tend to get up there and do silly self-deprecating shit a lot of the time. But I'm still very. This is my time. It is my turn. You fucking wait till I'm finished. Yeah, because that's how you need to be, or someone will just go over the top of you. Yeah, um, like you got to you got to assert your position. I suppose. Like I'm not finished yet. Like wait. exactly. Yeah, and yeah. you you do that via uh, I guess your physical presence, your swagger, the fact you're. You know, in the center of the room, look at me. Yeah. You do that with your tone of voice. Like if you if you just get up when you're rapping like this, then people will just go over the top because you made it easy for them to. Yeah. Um, and there's a thing called cipher etiquette, which says that's bad behavior, but that gets ignored all the time as well. Um, and also these days we've got these waves of um, uh, feminists pushing for a lot of equality in music. One thing I'm seeing a lot of is uh, female percent, fifty percent uh, female representation on bills, mm-hmm. and that's a very noble goal I really support that and I mean I don't like the idea of quotering it 
I like the idea of a world where fifty percent of females on bills is the norm. Uh, yeah, um, you, like that. I, I totally agree with that as well. Like, it, it shouldn't have to be a thing where we have. There's like a bill put in place where you have to separate. No, no, it, no, it like, should just be normalized. Yeah, exactly. Like, you shouldn't have to meet a quota. You yeah. should just be able to fucking do it. But like, I so get- we 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 try to book shows like this for a while, and the simple fact of the matter is there weren't enough females performing in Brisbane. We had some amazing women like Jesswa, like Miss Blanks, uh, Giolino, they had a whole crew, Awen, um, and they were all doing some really cool shit. And then they're now touring the country and everything as well. Mm-hmm. They've, they've gone up, like Jesswa's all over Triple J. Um, they're playing like Laneway Festival and like, you know, proper events. Mm-hmm. Um, but the problem with that was we could no longer afford them at the local gigs. Um, and there's, right, there's no, yeah. no discredit to them either. If they were to play they're, these local gigs- They've made that next level. That, no, but they, they can't come back and play local gigs at that point. Yeah. Because if yeah. you're getting paid $1,000 for this festival and you're getting paid $50 for this show, then you've, you've cut yourself out of the market. You've, you've lowered your own price. If this festival knows you play shows $50, they're not going to keep paying you a thousand. Yeah, it's, the, it's the music industry's economics. So they, they had to do that. And I've got nothing but respect for the fact they were able to make that move. Mm. But it put us in a position where um, there were, you know, there's a show going on every week or two in Brisbane and there just weren't enough females to, to play all the bills. So we figured, okay, we, I can either be old man yells at cloud or we can try and do something about this. So we put together a little... Um, uh, Freestyle workshop for, mm-hmm. for females. I, I did it for free. Um, I didn't want to charge or make money off or anything. I just wanted to teach some girls how to freestyle. And that was a lot of fun. Um, it didn't last very long. A number of reasons. People moved town. People, uh, a lot of them just wanted to learn to do it for fun, but not necessarily to be performers or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've got to give shouts out to uh, K-May right now. K-May, she's been running these Mayhem shows for a little while. And she's really becoming a fantastic female mentor for the females in the Brisbane seat. Yeah. Oh, excuse me, a little hiccup. Um, but she's put together recently this uh, all-female cipher, which is coming out very soon. I've been lucky enough to hear it. I saw it perform live last week, actually. It's so good. But she's teamed up with a whole host of amazing females around the Brisbane music scene, yep. some of whom were rappers, some were probably arguably more singers beforehand, um, that she's got sort of coming out of their shells and doing it. And damn, it, it rocks. And it's really good to see more women coming through and rap. Um, yeah. And I think part of that is the... Um, changing culture of the music scene and the fact that all music's looking to this 50% representation which is totally fair and as things should be but um, and that was that was the other problem when that came out is that's a fantastic thing to say okay now we have 50% representation but the fact is we didn't have 50% participation um, and I think when when this sort of movement started a lot of girls felt more empowered to go out and do that which is mm-hmm. great and now what we're seeing a few years later is that now they're evolving to the point they can take a stage and they can write a good song but so it, it, it wasn't something that was so much that could happen right then and there. It was something well, that needed, like, I mean, in I, this instance, it, it took me a couple like a of years before I got up. on a stage. It took yeah. me a couple of years before I could write a song good enough that I get on stage and perform. And I think it's the same with everyone. There's yeah. some naturals out there, sure. But I think we needed as a scene to be more open to the idea. And now we've got girls like Viliani who are just tearing up stages. She's yeah. amazing. Um, and I, I, like to be honest, it's still not even close to 50% in Brisbane or anywhere mm. but we're getting closer and I think those baby steps need to be acknowledged yeah. um, it would have been really nice if we could just click our fingers and make it happen but the tide is turning mm-hmm. um, and if there's any females listening who do want to you know get more involved or are looking for how to get involved in the scene and maybe want to find some other females to perform with as well please feel free to reach out and contact um, I'd be more than happy to point you in the right direction um, another one we had a few years ago uh, Sarah Scott Sezo. Uh, the Honourable Sarah Scott MP, Sezo Snot. She had so many different names, but she was a fantastic hip-hop DJ and also pop DJ in Brisbane. Mm-hmm. And one thing she did was she provided free DJ lessons to any female that wanted to learn. 
Yeah, fuck yeah. And that was great. We saw a real shift at that point where all of a sudden there were more artists to work with. Mm-hmm. I've seen in Melbourne, um, I'm sorry, I'm very sorry, but I'm not sure who it was that did it, but someone published a list of all the female working DJs that she knew. There were 300 people on that list. Fucking hell. And yeah. so then she said, all right, 20 club promoters that say there's not enough. Here you a list. are, yeah. And that's a fantastic move. And we, we, we really need to see more like that. Um, yeah. And to be honest, if there's any females out there as well who want to play some shows and who maybe I'm not aware of, um, you'd know if I was, we would have spoken. Um, but if there's any females out there looking to play some shows and get involved in the Brisbane hip hop scene, please get in touch. I host a lot of shows and I'd be more than happy to give you a, mm-hmm. an opportunity to, to hop on a stage and, and do your thing. So in leading on with that as well, uh, for me, I haven't seen, I don't see a lot of show advertisements mm. online and you're telling me there's fucking shows all the time. Oh, almost every week. You know, so like, because Brisbane hates hip hop. No, no, it's not like that. Um, <laughs> as a, as a rule, like, Brisbane's never really been a hip hop city. Right. Okay. Um, which is strange because one of the original pioneers, a few of them actually were from this city. Um, mm-hmm. Lazy Grey was the one that initially linked up Brisbane and Melbourne and created Australian hip hop as we know it today, long before the Hilltop Hoods released The Calling. Mm-hmm. Um, he was the one that started this cross city pollination. Um, I mean, some, some of the OG Brisbane legends are so old, they used to rap with American accents in the 80s before Australian was a thing, um, before they knew they could rap with their own voice. And again, Lazy was one of the pioneers of that. Um, his album, Band in Queensland, is an absolute classic um, yeah. and really helped give uh, Australian hip-hop the identity that it has. Imagine, um, imagine not being that comfortable with your own voice and stuff that you turn American... Oh, no, but I mean, that's what it was, though. Oh, dude, 100%. Um, A lot of the young blokes are doing it again. It's sort of come back into fashion now. Oh, really? Um, I've heard it called the waxent. The wax. (laughs) To be honest, like, I I prefer someone who raps with a natural voice. I also have some very good friends and people who I admire who do prefer to rap with a bit of an American tone Mm -hmm. because they listen to American music and they want to sound... Not necessarily... They're not, not... like they don't want to do exactly what everyone else is doing. You want to appeal to that market. Yeah. And to yeah. be honest, sometimes I'll write rhymes in my head. Like if I'm like, I don't know, drifting off to sleep, or if I'm in the shower, if I'm somewhere, I can't be writing them down and rhymes popping in my head. Mm-hmm. And then I'll write them down and I'll say them out loud. And I realize, oh wait, those words don't actually rhyme with my accent. Because even yeah. in your head sometimes, you know, right, yeah, because you've, you've got to think exactly how you're going to enunciate it more exactly. than anything. Yeah. Exactly. That's, um, that's an interesting... And it's a big divide yeah. in the scene right now, whether it's whack or not to... to have an American accent or if you need to be legitimately Australian. Oh, okay. Again, I prefer the Australian authenticity. For yep. me, that's what I like, but that is not the only way to do it. And I think there's a lot more important things that we could be discussing than, um, I mean, yep. it's, it's this huge divide in the scene. It's like yeah. people, I've seen fucking punch-ons happen over it and it's that's so dumb. Yeah. It's, 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 it's the silliest thing we could draw lines over. It's the new school, old school debate, essentially, it comes down to. Well, let's, let's keep it silly. What are your thoughts on fucking mumble rap? Uh, I mean, okay, so initially my first thoughts on mumble rap were fuck that, get rid of it. Yeah. And mumble rap is still not my favourite thing. It's, that's currently what my etiquette is on yeah. it, is fuck that shit. Get uh, it so, I mean, there's the, the, the four elements of hip-hop are officially, you know, in, in the culture. There's graph, uh, rapping, DJing, turntablism, and beatboxing. Mm-hmm. That, that was the four elements it was crafted upon. And shortly after that, your boy KRS-One came through and really introduced the fifth element, which was the knowledge. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's been a very important element of hip-hop for a long time. The Afrocentric shit back in the day with you know, Tribe Called Quest, Jungle Brothers, De La Soul, they were introducing an element where they were teaching uh, a lot of African-Americans about their roots yeah. um, and providing almost an educational platform through the music as well. Okay. And... Uh, I mean, you moved on through artists like Nas and the Wu-Tang Clan who were talking about the real street stories of New York, the way they grew up, surrounded by crime and violence and everything and how they just wanted to get out of that. And they mourned 
the situation. Mm-hmm. They were rapping about drug dealing, but not in a positive way. It was like that they're kind of like stuck in this. Yeah, path life, of life doing as it. a shorty shouldn't be so rough. They were yeah. they were talking about how this was a reality for them when they were growing up and how they were moving away from it, how their family members had been killed, how they they would you know pass corner boys selling dope when they're walking to school. Yeah, um, and how this is a problem. And nowadays we kind of have reached a situation where the rappers are more celebrating it, which is kind of a shame. But I mean, going back even further than that, originally hip hop was started by DJ Cool Herc, who was just playing party music on the block. Mm-hmm. He'd just have block parties, he'd bring out some turntables, he'd scratch um, an MC, the early version of an MC. We'd get up and just say some words. They weren't even really rapping at that point. It was just this one, two, three in the place to be style. Um, <laughs> yeah. And like uh, the, the DJs were the superstars then. But what a lot of people forget, I think, with this whole mumble rap, new school, old school debate is that hip hop started as party music. Mm-hmm. Initially, the whole point of hip hop was just to make people move and dance and have a good time. And that's what the city needed then. And yeah. the knowledge came later. So while I don't love mumble rap and while personally it's not for me, there's a few tracks I'll get down to, of course, because a good rhythm is a good rhythm. Uh, I mean, for me to complain about this, if hip hop's this plant, I can't complain because I don't like one of the branches. True. It it does make it hard to want to get into it though when you hear like the certain songs start off like you're such a fucking hoe. Like, <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, I... I that's a bit fucking... Like, By the other measure, man, I guarantee you there's just as many people that did get into it because of that. Exactly. That's me being contrarian. I do agree with you. Yeah. Um, I, don't, I don't really gravitate to that sort of thing. Neither do I, and that's what I mean. Like, a like, lot of my favourite... Uh, so the, I told you uh, Tribe Called Quest, Can I Kick It, when I was at yeah. the nightclub putting the headphones. That was what got me interested in hip-hop. Yeah. The song that made me fall in love with hip-hop was Forrest Whitaker by Brother Ali. Um, Why's he singing about an actor for? Tell me. Tell <laughs> it's just me. the name of the song. Oh, it is? Um, so there's no relevance to, to Not him Not really, but or? so Brother Ali is a six foot five, legally blind, overweight albino Muslim who grew up in the American battle scene. Yeah. He's a walking target, essentially. Um, and he's the most positive and uplifting artist I've ever heard. He's got the most amazing voice. He's got such positivity about him. And Forrest Whitaker is just all about how he's ugly and that's okay. And if you can't deal with him, then that's your fucking problem. And it was the most uplifting thing I'd ever heard. And I didn't know this existed in hip hop. Mm. You know, the radio I was hearing, like, you know, in the club by 50 Cent sort of thing. And that's still a fun song. It's still, in, in the club is, is a great song. I'm sorry, it is. But um, <laughs> like this, this, this depth that Brother Ali was bringing, it was something I'd never even imagined existed in the genre before I paid attention. Okay. Um, and so for me, these, 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 these uplifting songs, these honest, raw songs, that's always what I'm going to gravitate to. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I do sort of scoff and become a bit of a cranky old head when I see these like, you know, hose in the club fucking sort of tracks. But I mean, part of that as well is probably just that I'm 30. And when I was 15, that probably would have been wild. Yeah. When I, you're imagining what life as an adult is like before you've ever actually been a fucking adult. I, I suppose, yeah. Like, that is, that, that is, that is pretty I used true. to think Hugh like, Hefner was cool as shit. I yeah. was like, dude's 80, he's got three 18-year-old girlfriends. Dude, have you ever had a conversation with an 18-year-old? It's a nightmare. Yeah. I can't imagine anything worse than living with three of them now. Yeah, and <laughs> like, he did that as a profession, so like... I, I, I feel, I, I, I don't know, I feel like um, there's a big side of that, which is probably selling a fantasy. Mm-hmm. Um, and people like to embody that fantasy and pretend that it's real for a while. They like to go out in the club and pretend that they've got a million dollars and can buy fucking bottles of Hennessy and get bottled table service like it's no big deal. Um, and I, I understand the appeal in that, but yeah. for me, it will always come back to the the more honest shit. Yeah, and uh, of course, like that's what is more relatable to you. And for me, like how I would how I view that from hearing it is that you seem to be someone that cares more about the 
uh, like the artistic side of things that come through of it. Yeah. That come through of it rather than I mean, when, like when, the notoriety. When we freestyle just for fun back at my place, there's plenty of dumb shit that gets said as well. Oh, no doubt in my mind. But like, one of our favorite games to record, play. So when, like, when we freestyle a lot of the. No, no, definitely not. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. What, what, so when we freestyle, there's a, almost like a theater sports element sometimes yeah. where we'll play games. Uh, one of the games is called No Ego, where you can't say me or I or refer to yourself in any way during the verse. <laughs> it's so Jesus. hard. Yeah. If you go for as long as you can without mentioning yourself. And hip hop's so egotistical. That it's I was about hard. to say, like, isn't that what the whole thing is like? Dude, it's, yeah. it's, it's so hard to get past like six lines. Um, <laughs> but there's other games like the salesman game where someone in the crowd will give you an item and you have to sell it to the crowd. Like you have to do a sales pitch while, while rhyming. And there's there's lots of different versions of this. Wow, that seems and like really fucking hard. Yeah, uh, it's it's like anything else. You get better at it when you do it a few times. Yeah, right. It depends on what they give you as well. Like if the crowd gives you an interesting item, then it's so much easier than if they give you... Right, because it's not the everyday thing. Yeah, and we, we play games where, you know, there might be a chalkboard in the crowd that people write words on. You have to wrap the words they're writing on the board or um, there's lots of different things that we do. And my favorite one, which we've never actually done on stage, but it's just what we do back at home. And this is going to sound very silly to people listening. Mm-hmm. But we call it dick bars. Dick bars. And you just rap about how fantastic your dick is. <laughs> But like really, really, really exaggerated shit. You know, my dick's like a skyscraper sort of nonsense. Right. It's supposed to be ludicrous. <laughs> but it's just a fun way just to kick back and not try and be some fucking super intelligent, deep artist and sometimes just let loose a little bit. Actually be able to explore what you can fucking like... I just be silly, say. man, sometimes. Yeah. Like, you know, there's there's no consequences to it. You're just sitting around a table. We, we've played that with girls as well who'll tell us how fantastic their dicks are. Yeah, I mean, the, the point of the game isn't... If that game isn't honesty. It's about ridiculous brigado. What's the what's the most ridiculous thing you can come up with? That's it. Yeah, yeah. It, it's an interesting concept because like it's you get songs in like uh, like the, the 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 group bands like you know rock bands, punk bands, all that sort of shit. It, that's not usually the first thing that you think of like as to be like a warm up exercise or just something <laughs> for fun. Like you know, joking about that. The songs themselves might be like there might be some like bravado talk about my dick but it'd be like oh, one man. fucking line you know like whereas you're trying to rap about the whole bon thing bon jovi may not have actually specifically been talking about his dick the whole time but bon jovi was always talking about his dick bon it's jo- just that tone of voice you know <laughs> he's he's that the that older generation singer where he knew he was fucking he knew he was fucking good looking <laughs> and he knew what was his fucking features and he was like i know what audience to play to it must it honestly i don't know Almost if I would prefer to be handsome or not, because I feel like you just get put in this lane if you're if you're oh, a look, stunning if you, person and if uh, yeah that and if you're in like a like a mainstream band when they kick off oh dude you're fucking sold you got someone that's a good looker like you could sell that motherfucker to anyone especially like to the just to the your regular everyday Joe who's not really too fussed about like what it is they're listening to but yeah. as long as it's catchy and they're like oh he's good looking put him on like new idea weekly whatever it is one of my favourite rappers in the country is I don't know why I associated that with Bon Jovi but I feel like that would be God. the market for them now like I'll take your word for it take, people who read new idea are the ones who still listen to Bon Jovi please correct me if I'm being an asshole to you right now and just like threw you under the bus then but like that was just the first thought I had so anyway, sorry. Oh, yeah. yes. So one of my favorite rappers is this guy from Melbourne called Kudos. He was one of the first ones that ever came along to one of our nights, just coincidentally. Oh, he right, was yep. playing a show in Brisbane and afterwards he asked where he'd go and hear some hip hop and someone somehow pointed him our way and he's been one of my best mates ever since. It was just one of those mm-hmm. fake moments. Um, and I like I spat my first ever verse to him back when he didn't have much rhythm and everything and he was really supportive and encouraged me to get involved. It's part of the hip hop culture as well as this idea of each one teach one. Mm-hmm. Um, by the way, for all the people who are complaining about mumble rap and that new stuff, if you're if you're an older member of the community and you you don't like the new stuff, if you never taught a young kid 
about hip hop culture or how to rap, you have no fucking right to complain about what it evolved into. <laughs> I'm sorry, you don't. If you didn't teach someone, then you don't get to complain about what happened. Oh, that's great. Uh, you don't. You don't, man. Like yeah. uh, uh, anyway, so so kudos was he took me under his wing to begin with, and yeah. like I feel like I repay that by taking others under my wing now that I've come a bit further. Mm-hmm. But um, he's got this one line that's uh, I've got a lot riding on the fact I'm not handsome. And I fucking love that line. It's so good. <laughs> it's very relatable to a lot of people. You got to prove yourself so much more, but yeah. also like I feel like character develops. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. What what is it that may, why I asked you this earlier, but like why is it that it's uh, like I've been shown like one fucking event recently, and that was for Fat Louis. Oh, uh, what? Yeah, you were asking about why, why? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and also waste management productions. I only know through Carl, who plays mm-hmm. in. Uh, he's the basis for the Gastons, a, a, a punk band and stuff like that's mm-hmm. how, and that's how I found out about like him doing this other side thing with like hip hop and shit. Yeah, and he's been putting on some shows and stuff too. Outside of him, I had no fucking idea. Well, that's awesome because I've been doing it for five years. So <laughs> yeah, like I had no clue whatsoever. Man, there's a bunch but, of reasons. Uh, I reckon first know, off, like, uh, hip hop has never been what Brisbane's been known for. You mm. look at back at the Brisbane greats. We got the BGs. We got Powderfinger. You know. Yeah. Um, We've never had that. I feel like we're a pub band. rock. We are. State, we are. We're a big know. country town. Yeah. Um. So I think that's part of it. I just don't think it's ever been part of the culture of Brisbane. Yeah. It's always been the scene, but it's never been part of the overall culture. Mm. Um. Which meant you had to go looking for it. For me, the reason I started putting on hip hop shows was because I didn't know where any were. Mm-hmm. Um. And from what I found out in hindsight, there was a bit of a drought when I came along, and that was just fortuitous timing. Um. But uh, they've always been around. It's just. You know, back in the day, it was posters in specific venues. You'd go I mean, to a... I mean, yeah, like, I mean, that's how you originally found shows to begin with. But still, yeah. like, even even back then, like, it was not the first sort of thing that you would see. No, and as, nowadays, as, nowadays, there's the algorithms on Facebook and everything as well. Yeah, and If that's, you that's listen key... to a lot of hip-hop, you'll probably see them on your newsfeed. And if yeah. you don't, you probably won't. I only see one or two here and there, and that's through Fat Louis. Yep. And that's only been very recently with, like, Waste Management. And uh, this other one I'm about to read off. Sorry if it's like... Oh, it is through Waste Management Productions. Anyways, <laughs> that's the so Requiem fucking, ones they're doing? Fucking... Uh, it, it's the... Uh, it's Imagine the Rapper with Triggs and Vils and Proto or... Yeah, Proto. Proto and Distortion. Yep. Um, like, outside... If I didn't, like, follow Fats because of the other gigs that they put on... Mm-hmm. I would have no idea where to fucking yeah. see. That's why shit, I don't. So. I don't actually know Imagine and his backstory. Mm. But every single other name you just send out, I reckon, has been doing this for at least four or five years. Yeah, and, um, and they're all very talented, and very capable performers, and that will be a really fun show. Yeah. Um, we. I mean, so there's a there's a few any any listeners who are looking out. There's a few you should be aware of the label I've always run has been called Strictly for the Heads. Strictly for the Heads. Okay. Yep. Um, which someone once pointed out was a very exclusive name that didn't maybe feel. Like non hip hop people were welcome, which was never the intention. How so? Because it was strictly for the heads. You know, it was only for the the heads, the the fans, the genre. You know. Oh, okay. Um, I never th- saw it that way. Someone just pointed out once. Um, when you were trying to say it was only for a certain thing, my first thought was like it was only for like the dickheads. So like, <laughs> like so like dudes with dicks like heads. I don't know. Fuck. That was the first thing I thought. Like, is it a guy group or some shit? Yeah. No, that um, was that. But anyway, that was that was just the 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 uh, lack of not a better a dick, word. Club not nights. A dick, you know the the events. That, that's the company it was called. Yeah. I um, mean, I did them for a good two or three years. Um, at some points it was weekly. At some points it was monthly. And it's a lot of work, and there's very little payback financially. I probably lost more money than I made over that period, on that specifically. Um, so eventually I took a bit of a step back. Nowadays I come back occasionally and put on tours. Um, if there's something really interesting, if I find an artist that I think everyone else needs to know about, I'll put in a show for them. Yeah. Um, and I, but I, I do it at my, 
my convenience now instead of on this monthly schedule or anything where you're always like shit another deadline another deadline because that sucks the joy out of it yeah um and nowadays the shows i put on they're called just because if you ever see a just because poster anywhere yeah um so just because is exactly what it sounds like it's just because i felt like putting on a fucking show so there are no schedule the venue changes all the time the genre changes the last one i did was all indie stuff mm-hmm. um but i mean that's that's where i'm at right now with my events but if you ever see strictly for the heads on a poster they're they're generally pretty solid professionally run hip-hop events i like to think um we've got waste management boys now doing this requiem series at fat louis yeah uh k i mentioned before doing the mayhem shows they're fantastic wm productions was the other one that i was that that's I, waste management that is waste management yeah, yeah that's just abbreviated all right yep. yeah um there's also uh a monthly event called freestyle friday as i mentioned earlier as well hosted by laurie from dragonfire music and master wolf yeah that is the event i would send anyone to who's looking to get involved in the hip-hop scene okay it's super inclusive everyone's allowed up on the microphone i've never seen anyone get booed even if they choke and you're Even if they fish. fuck up. You yeah. gotta learn to fuck up. And fucking up on stage is important because you realize you survive. It's like getting punched in the face. Everyone needs to have it happen once so you realize it's not the most terrifying thing in the world. Mm. Um, but they're great events. First Friday of every month. If you go on Facebook and type in Freestyle Fridays, I'm sure you'll find them. Uh, that is where I would recommend anyone looking to get more into the scene go because they're kind of a bit of a social event for us as well where everyone from all the different walks of the scene turn out. You'll meet someone there that's in your lane, whether you're a goofy ass nerd like myself or whether you're some sort of like hard motherfucker or whatever, there will be someone at that event that's in your lane that's just there to freestyle and everyone there just loves rap and just yeah. encourages each other. It's a really good event. Um, but other than that, I mean, there was the the, the Scribble Slam events at Rick's. They, they're hosted by the Rap Kitchen guys. Yeah. Uh, there's always a rapper or two there. Um, there's, there's a lot that going on. I just think um, there's only ever been a few like shining moments where there were these great events happening in Brisbane's history. Why do you think it's so different compared to like the punk scene or the hardcore scene in terms of like their advertising for it? I mean, to be fair, I don't think it is. I think it, I think it probably just comes more down to the algorithms and the fact that your mutual friends that's true. go to different yeah. events than my mutual friends. Fucking Facebook. Yeah, but I, I think that's what it is, yeah. man. Because I mean, like otherwise- It's gotta be, yeah. Because like my, my, my pre like most dominant genre is those ones that I just said. Like, I, couldn't, I couldn't name you many Brisbane punk hacks. I mean, yeah. Blowhard, of course, you know, Rollo, RIP. Oh, but yeah, like, yeah, exactly. I mean- there's, there's not been, from my side of the fence, that many rock or metal bands from Brisbane I can name you. Mm. And most of the ones I can have been because I've played with them at some yeah, sort of events. Right. Or like I've played uh, at a venue and saw their poster there or something. Mm. Um, it's not because they've been popping up on my feed. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I, I came across, I, 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 that was one, that's the one thing I actually love about Butterfingers. They really bring all these genres together. They do, yeah. Um, like, I, I'm pretty sure, like, do you, do you know Mike Mike? Um, Mike Christensen or whatever like he played in Slodge oh shit is that the dude with the Slodge tattoo like just in his uh, pubic region more than likely I'd say so yeah. <laughs> yeah I met that dude the other week yeah, he's yeah, fucking wild that's Mike Mike yeah yeah, yeah he's, he's so cool I like he, that guy he's a really cool guy and I think there's Michael there as well he plays in another band called Slurpee Jerks and I've seen that he'd been Slurpee Jerks yeah 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 I love rock band names uh, punk band rock. names man like, how good are they right like, smells like Otto's jacket Slodge that, yes. is, that is the best name yeah like when those guys first started and shit like it was so good to go and watch their shows and shit like fucking there was so much fun um, well, the weird thing right now is with this generation of rappers, a lot of them grew up on emo. Um, oh, dude, yeah. So there's like a lot it. of there's a lot of rappers out there who either were in emo bands or episode are, that will be coming out like uh, before yours. I was talking to Blush and shit, and we had like a good five ten minute like reminiscence of like our our emo stage yeah, of yeah. like the bands that we'd listen to that we 
don't listen to anymore but like they were so full of feels and like <laughs> that was like you're like it's so relatable dude like, my first my first gig i ever went to was my chemical romance show uh, i was 14 valentine like this is that's what i mean like yeah. we we're talking about that shit like how fucking like dude, emo is shit like I remember, everyone so like, has that moment live it all my friends were emo right and i i love the music but i wouldn't have called myself emo i had a nice oh, little dude, fringe no, going on no, but i remember i had to yeah. wear a brown shirt that day because i didn't have a black one we're outside we're lining up and everyone was singing that emo kid song by adam and Ant that was big at the time that i'm an emo kid not oh, performing as can oh, be God, but I the whole the whole yeah, line ugh. was singing that while we we're queuing up for my chemical romance because we just went it makes so much um, sense too yeah i feel like it was the tiv but i'm not sure in hindsight if that's correct because I was like 14 I didn't know venues then but right. I feel like it was the Tivoli um, okay but it oh, no actually what, uh, anyway it doesn't matter it doesn't matter where it was um, that anyway. wouldn't surprise me like because if it was back far enough then uh, I don't think My Chemical would that big at that point so no, it might have been like was, I feel like it was around the corner from the Valley train station as well now I'm telling the story I'm just making shit up yeah right but no I, I, so I was, we got in right yeah. and this is the first gig I've ever been to and I was standing next to this like uber emo motherfucker um, like just he All looked like black. the prince of the emos yeah like, and the opening act came out yeah and I didn't know about this concept of an opening act mm-hmm. so I thought it was My Chemical Romance oh you already oh okay yeah. and I didn't recognise any of them because they weren't fucking My Chemical Romance so you're thinking what the fuck did I spend yeah. this money on and I'm standing there a bit confused with the first song or two and I'm kind of like bopping along a little bit and I just remember at one point I just I just sort of said out loud I was like oh, I just wish they'd play some of their old stuff and the prince of the emos stand next to me turns to me. He's just like, yeah, man, respect. And then- Who was the band, do you know? Oh, God, I can't even remember. Oh, God, that'd be so good. But um, oh, it might be like the Pretty Liars or something like that. Something like that. You know, the very emo something. Um, they left the stage and My Chemical Romance came on. And I was like, holy shit. That's such a good idea. Every geek should have an opening act. That's, that's, that's really clever. Oh, I like how they did that. That's great. Um, and somehow I didn't, actually blow my cover to the prince of the emos that was standing next to me and yep. he just thought I was this like Brisbane fucking emo mastermind that knew all you, that shit. You were already, you, you're yeah. like with it. You're yep. like, oh yep. no, no one would have listened to these guys before. I bet <laughs> I'm the only one, yeah. Oh, I wish they played the early stuff, man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, fuck, all this new shit, fuck. <laughs> they never sounded this good. Uh, or whatever it is, fuck. Yeah, no, uh, that, and again, that, that goes back to talking about like fucking like Bring me the horizon back earlier, like when they changed their sound and shit. So many people fucking hated on them. Yeah. So many, like, I, I mean, you like, just me, did. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I did. Yeah. Like, no doubt. Um, but like, I mean, personally though, do I care? Not really. Like, it's not a band that oh, I, I mean, listen the, to. The, the old know? songs still exist. They do. Yeah. If you want to go listen to them, go listen to them. Exactly. So, like, what's the big deal if they play something different now? Like, I'm okay with that because I saw them. Like when they were still in that phase. Yeah, give it five years. There'll be a tour where they celebrate one of the old albums. If if they happen to, sure, maybe I'll go and see it again, like as a reminiscing sort of thing. But like, yeah, the first time I saw them was like in that peak, like rah rah stage. Honestly, though, man, as an artist, you get bored as well. Yeah, it's like, why not change, try something different? Like, just because it's, you know, not what you guys normally do doesn't mean that you can't. Do it. Like, Bob Dylan lost all his fans and he went, went electric. You know. Yeah. Like, Some of his best songs are written after that. Yeah. It, it, it's it's amazing how like judgmental you can get and like really sort of like prima donna when it comes to like your favorite artist or your favorite <laughs> band. Like if they yeah. have like one shred of like of a change in their sound, you're immediately like 
fuck these guys. Man, honestly, you so I'm, I'm, I'm in the process right now of working on two EPs, uh, one album and one EP. Yeah. The album is with the roster group that I mentioned before. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I said, it's some of the weirdest shit I've ever done. It's, it's bizarre. But also my EP, I'm really making a point of trying to do a lot of things I've never done before. Yep. And I mean, a little bit of it is kind of scary because it's like, you know, what will the people who stuck with me this far think of my newer stuff? But also I can't just write the same song over and over again. You know, like you, you, you need to mix up your style. You need to you need to change and evolve. Otherwise yeah. it's boring. And if it's boring, what are you doing? Yeah. It doesn't pay well. The only reason to do this is fun. <laughs> so yeah, if you're not having exactly fun, right. you shouldn't be doing it. So like, I mean, on the one hand, I do have some apprehensions about uh, the new stuff coming out. It's, it's I, I think I've tried to showcase a range of different stuff there. So I think even the old listeners, there'd be one or two songs that still sort of relate to maybe what they liked about me or whatever. Yep. And the new stuff I wouldn't say is this radical new skin where I'm completely different. I'm still I'm still late one. But you're trying every, something new. Yeah, I sing on a few of yeah. the songs, which I've never really done before. Um, and I've, I'm, I'm using some different beats that I wouldn't have used in the past and I'm hitting some concepts I haven't done before and different flows and I'm really, really fucking proud of it. Yeah. I think it's some of the best work I've ever done. I, I'm super excited to share it with the world. I'm, I'm recording... So the, the roster album, we just finished doing all the vocal recordings for uh, last weekend. Mm-hmm. My EP, I'm recording next weekend. Um, yeah. Over this period, we've been writing sort of... I've, I've, we, I, I'll, sometimes I'll write that, sometimes I'll write this. Um, and it's all prepared. Um, and with the roster, when we went away for that weekend, I realized I loved that environment of just being locked in a room with a microphone and just getting shit done. Yeah. Like for that, that whole weekend, all we did was sleep, eat, shit, and record. Um, <laughs> yeah. And we got so much done. And you kind of get in this manic state when you're locked in the booth for that long where you just get really experimental. You try um, some different shit. Because yeah. why not? Time's not an issue. Yeah, you always, and you have the facilities to do it. Yeah. You know? yeah. So for my EP, I've recruited Ape Man, who I mentioned before. Mm-hmm. He's um, he's coming around to my place. We've got a spare room. We're setting up a, a booth in there. He's got all the equipment, but I've I'm paying him to bring it to my house instead yeah so from friday evening when i finish work until sunday night when i pass out in a drunken stupor <laughs> um we <laughs> we are gonna have all of that time to Artist experiment life <laughs> oh man uh, don't get into it if you're not going full throttle like, I'm yeah just right <laughs> but um yeah so we've got this entire period to write this uh ep which is 90 yep. percent written i'm leaving about 10 percent to uh, chance take, and improvisation, yeah. and yeah, you, you, I, I, it's like when 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 I went when I when I go overseas on holiday, I try not to book where I'm going to be every night. Yeah, I book my give ticket there and the ticket back, to... and have maybe a week that's free in the middle for whatever I decide to do when I'm there. Yeah, give yourself some time um, to explore and shit. Yeah, yeah so I want to I want to play with some ideas I've never done before, and again, I'm really proud of it. I love how it's sounding. I've shown it to a select few people, and they've all liked it as well. And I think it's a real step forward for me. Yeah. But then there's this thing as an artist, like, what if though? What if you're taking away this one element that happened to be what everyone likes that yeah. you thought was a limitation, but turned out that was what people liked about you? Yeah, that's absolutely right too. You can't I, you can't I, worry about it. Yeah, you, you no, just, I, I totally agree with you on that aspect as well like you've got to give it a go you've got to give it a go even if it even even if it might sound like shit or people how are you going to know if it's shit or not if you don't do it yeah you know so like and and in saying that in the same breath like um we're going to finish out the episode very shortly with um uh a demo that you have as well can i make one more quick point first perfectly every every fucking interview i go into i want to say this and i never remember to yep so just for the listeners who haven't made music there's this really weird disconnect as a artist as someone who makes music or anything creative where by the time i finish a song get it recorded mixed and mastered i probably started writing that song like a year ago all Mm -hmm. the time 
And what I'm writing now probably sounds completely different to what I'm releasing. Yep. So you're almost stuck in this time loop where the songs you're releasing are a year old and the songs you're writing now are the ones you're really excited about. And by the time your older songs come out, I hate to say bored of them, but you've, you've already moved on to this the new exciting gone. stuff. Yeah, yeah, and it's really, really frustrating. Yeah. And this is, a, this is one of the few examples, I guess, this song we're about to play where that hasn't happened because this song is probably the best thing I've ever written. Um, I wrote this with Just Brooks. It's certainly the most fun thing I've ever written. Yeah. Um, we're at uh, Tom Tom, who's one of Brisbane's best producers and musicians' place. He does fantastic recording work. If anyone's looking for him, Tom Tom on Facebook. If anyone's looking for recording services or beat production or anything like that, hit him up. All G Records he runs. We went around one day and we had a bit of time left at the end of a recording session. We had an hour left. I'd already paid for him. We said, all right, fuck it. Let's, let's make a song. And he whipped out his guitar and Jesse whipped out his guitar. And they just sort of started wailing away. And we ended up making this weird Beach Boys hybrid. And this one's just fun. And this one hasn't aged for me. I mean, this this song we probably wrote um, about a year ago now. Um, yep. I was hoping to release it last summer because when you hear it, it's definitely a summertime jam. Right. So now I'm holding off for the start of this summer. I'm going to have an EP and an album come out before then. And right. I'm still sitting on this one because I want to release it at the right time because <laughs> yeah, this one gotta... hasn't aged for me. Yep. Um, so this is called The Lazy Song. It's really just about how I'm a bit of a lazy piece of shit and it's really fun and it'll be coming out at the end of the year so um and it, and it ties into the to your persona as a name i guess yeah. like as a as an artist like late one yeah late lazy so like. i guess guess i'm here i should do a quick plug so that's late one l-a-t-e-1 yep um you can find me on spotify facebook instagram whatever you're looking for there please do it's always really awesome when someone new comes and checks it out yeah fuck um yeah if I ever reach the point of success where I'm not excited to have one new person listening to my music, then I should fucking quit because I really appreciate every single new person that checks it out. And if you like it, that's fantastic. Um, you know, I, I really appreciate every single thing I've been given here. I never expected yeah. any of this. So it's fantastic to have. Yeah, no, uh, I, I think it's fantastic to begin with that you're getting out there and doing what you want to do. And that's at the end of the day, what you should be doing. Yeah. I started rapping at 25. Me and Foolish agreed that we were too old to make it because you know, every celebrity was younger than us already. Yeah. Um, So we agreed at the start that the only goal we had was to make a room full of people jump. If we did that mission accomplished. Yeah. So we did that a heap of times. And then I said, it'd be awesome if artists like Butterfingers and Mathis listen to my music. And now they do. Yeah. Um, I'm not saying they listen to it every fucking day, but you but know they they've, they've, they've dropped likes on my posts. You know, yeah, they, they yeah, send me a message every now and there's then. There's been some sort of correlation between you two. Sort yeah. Of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. What I'm saying is, I've already achieved so much more than I ever expected to, and every single day I'm allowed to keep doing this feels like a fucking gift. Yeah. I, I love what I get to do. I love even that people like yourself taking interest. Yeah. And, and, and I, I appreciate the time uh, you taking the time in particular to come on and have a chat and shit as well. Like. For me, it, I love hearing more about every aspect of the local scene in particular, like whether it be in the heavy shit or in, in the hip-hop stuff. Like I want to branch out and, yeah. and know that everybody's doing okay. And, and all, of my friends, all of my friends I met through music at this point. Yeah, like, like a the, huge following. And a lot of the time, I, yeah. the only thing we have in common is that we love this music. Yeah. We're that's completely ex- different walks of life and we can spend hours and hours and hours hanging out and enjoying each other's company just because of this one thing. Exactly right, yeah. Like, music has such a big pulling power on getting people together in one way or another, whether mm. it be what they're playing or, you know, just the atmosphere of where it's being played in particular. Like... 100%. It, it, it's a huge... It's a huge benefit. And, like, a lot, so many people relate to music lyrically and... You know, it's a big it's a big factor, and like 
exposure-wise, I know especially how fucking hard it is mm-hmm. and how expensive it can be and shit like that. So if, if for me personally, like I like to keep myself involved in the scene because A, I like it. I like music and B like I've got friends that play in the scene so like any mm. chance of plugging promoting or whatever it keeps me in the scene yeah. too doing the podcast like I enjoy meeting new people especially ones that play all sorts of music in here like it, it gives one yeah like I said it gives them a chance to plug themselves and B I get to learn something new every day like well not every yeah. day <laughs> like every fortnight usually at this yeah. rate you know but like it's that same thing like I really enjoy it and like you coming on as well like it, it was very different for me because it's not a big genre that I listen to, but also like I want to know more about it. Yeah. So again, I, I absolutely appreciate you coming on and dropping some knowledge for me as well. And I know I'm sure there's probably one or two people at least that I know that listen to this oh, regularly man, I could, that I could enjoy have, this. I could have spoken so, for another two hours. I was oh, dude, so could I. But I, I, I I'm <laughs> starting to get a little heavy eyed, and I'm like, fuck, man, I should not have had the beers. So uh, yeah, oh no no no, <laughs> I, I, I'm never saying no, never do that. It's just I know that's what beer does to me. So it's it's my own fault. But like yeah. I just can't help but have a beer. Well, before you um, before you play the song as well, shouts out to Just Brooks who co-wrote this with me. Yep. That guy is incredibly talented. Also check him out on uh, Instagram, Spotify, Facebook, whatever your medium is. He is an incredibly talented musician, a fantastic singer, an incredible songwriter, and someone who I'm privileged to call a friend. Yep. Um, also, shouts out the rest of the roster. So we've got Tails, B-Grade, The Jackal, Able 2. We've got 8-Man. There's a whole host of really talented people in the city doing it right now. And also, I guess, the extended network. We've got Young Vizzy. We've got Ozzy Jarrell. Go and give them a listen as well. Fink, he's awesome. Um, so many I could be shouting people out all night but if you yeah, do want to sure. get involved in the Brisbane scene please feel free to reach out and I'm more than happy to send you some recommendations I actually got a playlist on my Spotify called Late One and Friends that has stacks of Brisbane artists right there yep perfect that'll be one for sure to fucking post about and whatnot. but yeah again man thank you so much for, com- uh, for coming on It was. It, it's been a really really great time yeah. having a chat um, very easy to talk to fucking loved it again like I barely use my laptop like I fucking <laughs> love that shit um, so we're gonna jam late and Sweet. lazy kicking on to a pub now oh dude <laughs> Let, yeah you know what fuck it fuck work let's go um, <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> <my man. laughs> it's so easy to do it right um, so this is late and lazy this is the demo uh, no, that's, that's, a, that's a working title so this is just a demo by the way um, oh, right, okay. we don't have the final takes done they'll be out in October but honestly I think this demo still fucking stands up otherwise it wouldn't be playing it here it's called the lazy song just play it yep cool all right thanks again and make sure to check out late one and 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 give him as much love as you possibly can because it it, he's a a very very special person (laughs) and and just the fact that he can get it's just just right like for me hip-hop is just Getting those words together and stringing them together like that is just a fucking skill on its That's own, you know. <laughs> you know that is exactly so. Like you know, just there's already like extra props that need to be given. So oh, I can't play guitar. I can't sing. Let's just play the song. Yep. All right. Cool. All right. We're gonna play the song. Peace out. Thanks, man. Peace. Rise and shine, back, flip off the mattress Spend the whole day on my own satisfaction A little hedonistic if I got an itch, I'll scratch it I wanna be a star, but I don't wanna practice 
I admit that maybe I'm lazy A day without a cash might drive me crazy Make plans and ghosts Patrick Swayze, I wrote that before he died Though please don't hate me People to do a lot of places to see But me getting up early is like make-believe Living life weird lag like it's latency But I'm the late one so they have to wait for me The seven deadly sins is a couple that I got Did my gluttony and cheese and sprinkle it with sloth Got a lustful eye now and then my wrath and greed ain't lost But I'm still not too proud to just chill in one spot Got a lot to do but I don't really care I'm always late, good thing she's patient I told her one day I might get famous She just rolled her eyes and said, that's nice lady So I decided it was time to impress her Clean a couple dishes, get the kitchen looking better I could tidy up a room, write her a love letter But I turned on the TV, not very clever That's how Netflix became the plan today I'm on that crowded house, four seasons one day Square eyes on the screen till I can't see straight Are you still watching? Don't judge me mate Therein lies the dichotomy It's who I am, there's no fight in biology Call me a dropkick or just laugh at my honesty Should I do more space shit? I don't know, probably Got a lot to do, but I don't really care This sunshine will I recline I got time to spare Take a look at my friends, I'm not the worst of the bunch In the morning I get out and about Come home to find my DJ sleeping on my couch But I love the dude, I ain't calling him out Cause if he's come around he's probably bought me an ounce And my hype man's worse, he's always high The dishes in his room stacked four feet high Got a hand in the stack just to see if he's alive With friends like this, I don't need to know the time You can see that I never had a chance We were taking the piss when we were making plans Look slashed on the couch like I'm in a damn trance If I don't have work, I'm not putting on pants Got a lot to do, but I don't really care Sunshine, will I recline? I got time to spare. 